0: Hello and welcome. This is War Council. Uh, My name is Caleb Dillon. My name is Justin Jones. And this is a uh, podcast about 40k, things 40k related and things wargaming related in general. Uh, War Council is a presentation of White Metal Games, which is a painting and assembly service for all your miniature needs. Uh, Justin, how are you doing this morning? Uh, doing all right. How how about yourself? Uh, I'm good. I'm a little hoarse because uh, I was at a at a local tournament yesterday. So it it surprised me how much I was talking at the tournament. Like I ended up, uh, you know, uh, when you play for that long and you're calling out figures all day, uh, your voice gets a little raspy. So, uh, but otherwise, I'm I'm doing pretty good. Um, Weather's finally turning a little cooler here, uh, so it's kind of nice. Falls on the way. Finally. Yeah, finally, Um, and the holidays are creeping up really, really fast. So uh, you know, I'm excited. We've actually got a schedule for our podcast for the rest of the year. We've got you know four or so episodes fleshed out for the next couple months. So uh, you know, it's going good. And at the at the tournament yesterday, I was able to talk to a lot of people about War Council, and there's a lot of locals that were interested in it, and uh, some guys that are running their own events that I think I'm going to ask to be on the show. And we've been talking to a lot of guests guests off air recently about trying to get them on the show. So I feel good. I feel like we're picking up some steam and picking up some momentum and I'm I'm excited for where we're going um so this is episode six and this episode we're going to be focusing on what you would do differently as in uh, what rules you would change what situations you would change and that will be the main topic of our show but we've got lots of other stuff to discuss Uh, we're also hoping to get um, thomas reedy aka goat boy on the show today uh he asked me to give him a call uh when we got this thing rolling um so when we get to the main segment of the show we will give him a quick buzz and we will get his two cents or we will get an answering machine because there's a slight time difference between us and him in, in uh, where he's at in uh, Texas so we'll see how that goes um, so first off we're gonna start with a little sit rep today uh, so why don't we start off actually why don't we change a pace a little bit today uh, why don't we start with you Justin what have you been up to recently uh, in games played what are you what are you up to on your you know are you doing any modeling that sort of stuff
1: um, I have some of my uh, some more of my miniatures uh, back from being painted. Um, my uh, It was actually one of them was the limited edition Interrogator Chaplain found in the Dark Vengeance box set. Oh, cool. Nice so one. I have have that back and some other things. Um, our Death Watch Tyranid kill mission campaign is actually over. We uh, uh, essentially... That the whole
0: campaign or was that more like an adventure?
1: Well, it was three missions. The first mission being kill the Brood Lord. The second okay. mission, getting on board the hive ship and killing the Norn Queen while collecting a sample. Okay. And the third mission was to escort a Magos biologist back down to the planet and into his lab so he could actually make this toxin that our kill team then had to deliver to a. Uh, digestion pool, or reclamation pool, or whatever those are called. Yeah, I think it's reclamation and, pool. Yeah, and drop it into the uh, in, into that that stuff. The problem, of course, going back down onto the planet was by that time it had been significantly terraformed. And um, as I recall, near our insertion point via Storm Raven, there was a bio titan in the area.
0: <laughs> nice.
1: We we avoided it, thankfully. Sure. Um, So that was the conclusion to that mission. We got it uploaded to the, uploaded, inseminated, infected, whatever term you want to use here, into the hive. I have no idea if it actually worked because our GM hasn't really told us the effects it had on that particular. So there was no, like, immediate, like, you drop it in there and it starts bubbling or there's, like, a
0: caustic reaction. It was more like, okay, well, I guess we'll go now. Well, there was.
1: Something. It's just that we didn't really know what it happened to the hive ships in orbit. Because here's the other funny part. The nature of the substance was extremely volatile and it was psychoreactive. Okay. So one of our guys had to carry it. Mm-hmm. And it actually fell to my Iron Hands Tech Marine brother, Karis. And every so often, I'd, I'd have to stop and have him take an agility test. Otherwise, the thing might blow up. And that would have been very bad for us.
0: Okay. Nice.
1: So we ran into a malanthrope. Is that how you say that? That is exactly how you say that. Uh, almost ran into one. There were, it was near us. It was definitely aware of us. But uh, we didn't actually have to engage it, fortunately. But it was very. Some space wolves yeah. to the planet to try to save it, and we tried to tell them, "Hey guys, you need to get out of here." But they're like the typical wolves of Fenris. They're like, "Well, we're gonna we're gonna stay here and defend the planet." And as far as I know, they're tyrannid food now. Okay, nice. Because we couldn't risk telling them the nature of our mission, uh, otherwise they might have tried to stop us. Because in order to get the toxin up. High planet itself, right? So that's that's what I've been up to.
0: That's pretty cool. I actually I do like because um, there do there does has to be some. <clears throat> I like in the 40k universe that stuff. Certain missions have to be really really hush hush, and there are times when Marine chapters are working against each other, and a lot of times when the Inquisition is working against you know other Marine chapters and other you know. It, there's just a lot of subterfuge, and uh, it's a lot of fun. I enjoy that aspect of of the universe. So it's right. nice to see a DM or GM kind of incorporating that. And, uh, you know, I like that. So so where's it going to go from here? Like, is this campaign going to continue, or is it going to...
1: Well, our GM wants to branch away from the official Fantasy Flight Games materials because, and, and I agree with this, he finds them to be a little too limiting and a little too simplistic. Okay. So he and by
0: simplistic, to... what does he mean exactly? Like... It's
1: too cut and dry. Okay. So he would like to create more interesting scenarios, you know, like for example, uh, a Tau commander. We might have to deal with that. Somebody of uh, he wants to create a situation where we have a villain that you strongly empathize with because you know that what they're trying to do is essentially a good thing, but it is inimical to your own. Goals.
0: So the so the players can emphasize with them, but the characters cannot. Is that what we're saying? Right,
1: okay. right. I sure. uh, kind of make them kind of like a maybe like make them a Grand Admiral Thrawn type. If you've ever read any of the Star Wars, I part. did. I was you know I didn't read all the Star Wars books, but I did read that
0: trilogy by um, Timothy Zahn. It was kind of like a lot of people argue that it was sort of the the movie version of what they wanted the next three movies to be. Yes, uh, it was. I mean, it was a great trilogy. Uh, and I mean, I've read. I mean, I read probably a dozen Star Wars books before I got sort of tired of them. Yeah. I was like I'm good, but those books were amazing. Um,
1: yeah, and that's that's the thing about Thrawn in those novels is that you can strongly empathize with what he's doing.
0: Yeah, he's not he's not the malicious just just evil purpose that the Palpatine was. Right. Palpatine as a villain is kind of flat. Um, right. So, but Thrawn so, is one of those yeah. things. He's an art collector. He's very you know. I don't know. He, right, he was cool, he's a very cool character
1: so the ultimate goal though for the campaign is eventually to take us to the end times of the Imperium
0: oh that's okay that's that's what a,
1: he wants to do is goal. to have us witness the destruction of the Imperium of Man
0: <clears throat> well um, I think that that's admirable and clearly the, the DM has, he, the GM's got he's got balls, I mean I'll give him that um, I, I feel like that's a little bit of painting himself in a corner um, But if that's what he wants to do, and that's what you guys want to do, I think that's a cool campaign to explore. I mean, he he's
1: been talking to me about this because I've made it very clear. Pardon the pretentiousness of this, the potential pretentiousness, kind of a guardian of the fluff, Mm -hmm. because that's that's
0: fair. I think that's a good title for
1: you. (laughs) The the main thing that draws me to the 40k universe is the fluff. Sure. Because honestly, without it, the game system and the universe would be far less interesting. And I have told RGM on countless occasions that I'm going to make it those immutables that Games Workshop does have. Not that there's very many, sure. mind, but there are some that you just cannot violate. Right. right. So, yeah, that's, that's where we're going.
0: Well I, I definitely support anyone who wants to try something different and branch out yeah. and I, I think that there's a lot of fun in an apocalypse game, certainly an apocalypse game in in the forty k universe and you know I, I think it would be a really actually i do think it would be a radically cool system if that would be a neat supplement like Warhammer fifty k or something where right the Empire has fallen, and now the space marines are sort of being hunted to extinction and like who knows like you could go all sorts of places like the tau have allied with somebody crazy or you know the orcs are allied with the chaos now or, or who knows you could you could do lots of stuff with it
1: well uh, we'll definitely keep you posted yeah, you know, the, sure. and the listeners posted what actually happens absolutely within this this campaign
0: okay very cool um okay so um i've actually had uh, i haven't played any role-playing games in a while but i have been actively playing 40k the last couple weeks or so um so i just got in a a crimson fist army that i had subcontracted out to another painter Uh, and it was sort of a test and kind of an experiment to see how subcontracting with other painters would work so i I wrote an article about it on bell and uh, so feel free to read that i'll put a post to it in the show notes but regardless of which i wanted to test the army out it was kind of one of those armies that i picked up on, on just a lark and it was really cheap and um, it was a little 2000 point army and it doesn't have any modern units. It doesn't have like any of the flyers or the Aegis line or any of that stuff. But the actual list itself was, I felt like, okay, it was fairly balanced. And, uh, it was a Cantor base list. It was a Crimson Fist list. And it had, you know, it had like, I don't remember, it has, a, like a Razorback, a Land Raider, a couple squads of Attack Marines, a squad of Devastators, a squad of Scouts, and just a fun little list. I had a librarian and a captain and cantor, and so we wanted to test out the new marine Codex. So we played. Me and Spence played. We played. He as a he was using his tau. What was he using? He was using a tau gray knight list. Uh, and normally Spence hits me pretty hard, um, and I definitely lost the game. But it was a war of attrition. Like I, I think I went till turn four with him this time, as opposed to like normally turn two or three <laughs> when I'm playing like my nids. He just destroys me. Um, so, anyway, so that was a lot of fun. We ha- uh, and I got to try out the chapter tactics with Cantor. And Cantor's pretty cool. Uh, he has, like, a bolter drill rule, uh, that allows for the, I think, I think it's Crimson Fists or a part of the Iron Fist or like Fists or... Imperial Fists. Imperial Fists. So they have a bolter drill rule, which allows them to reroll ones, uh, with all their bolter weapons, including heavy bolters and that sort of stuff. And so it was a lot of fun, actually. I was surprised how effective that was. And they had another rule, I don't remember what it was, it was something like... Cantor uh, gave them a rule that where they hated works, but that didn't matter, and they have another chap tra- chapter tactic rule, but I don't know what it is off the top of my head right now. Um I don't feel like it came into play that often though, but anyway, it was a fun little game, it was kind of neat um uh, but yesterday, I got actually to participate in a grand tournament or tournament, I guess I don't know what makes. A tournament grand versus not grand, but so I guess size. But it was a local tournament at our local store called Event Horizon Games, and it was put on by the Lords of War, which is a 40k group here in the area. And they uh, are basically kind of the unofficial, or I guess the official, 40k club of the Raleigh area. There's other groups, but they're probably the biggest. Um, so they coordinated a the tournament, and partially it was in prep for the Nova Open or not the NOVA Open, for the 11th company GT, which is happening in South Carolina in November, which I'll also be attending. Uh, But they were using NOVA Open rules, which for people who don't know, NOVA is Northern Virginia. So the NOVA Open is kind of the biggest, I guess, tournament or grand tournament in the Northern Virginia area. Um, So uh, on this side of the country. Uh, I feel like the East Coast doesn't have as much action as, say, the middle of the country or West Coast in terms of 40K. So because of that, NOVA Open is notable because it's probably the biggest... I'd say one of the biggest GTs there is out here. Um, so for people out here, it's kind of you know, uh, it's kind of well-known. So they used the Nova Open rules in the format because uh, a lot of tournaments use that. The 11th company GT is going to use that, so we used that. So it was three games, and I had three games with three different opponents, and I want to just very briefly outline the three games and how it went. Uh, so the first game I played, a, uh, and I was using a tier list. Now, I'm usually not a competitive player, Generally, I don't really play that way. I like to play what I want to play. But I was pretty tired of losing. Uh, I've been losing a lot to Spence recently. And to be fair, he's a better player than me. And if you always play against a better player, I think it's fair to say you're probably going to lose often. Uh, But I decided I wanted to mix it up, try something different. So I took a very competitive list. I took three Turbogons, three squads of Gaunts to make the Turbogons troops. So I had six scoring troops right off the bat. And I took two Flyers with uh, Devourers. They each had 12 Twinling Shots. I gave them some Psychic Powers... And the Turvigons all had psychic powers. And uh, I took a squad of Biovores, which I never do. I took a Doom in a pod. And I took three Zoanthropes and also put them in a pod. And it was 2,000 points. And it was probably the most competitive list I've ever done. It was very lean. Like, the only place I feel like I could have probably backed off on points was the Turvigons. And I actually don't even think they were a waste of points. Because I pumped out just just dozens and dozens of gaunts over the course of the day. (laughs) Um, So basically the idea of the army was that the turbigons pump out tons and tons of troops. The Biobores provide long range support, which they did. The Zoanthropes and Doom drop in close so that the Zoanthropes can use their lances very effectively and very quickly. And the uh, Spore Pods, there were three of them. I also had one of the squads of gaunts was in a pod. So the three pods come in and try to challenge objectives, that sort of thing. Uh, the Doom comes in and does what the Doom does, and then the flyers in and try to stay swooping as long as they can and uh, to provide aerial support, and then when they need to drop in, they drop in. Uh, so the first game of the day was probably, my, probably the most fun I had. Maybe it was because it was the start of the day and we were all very excited, but the first game I played against a uh, Space Wolf Alpha strike list. So it was five drop pods, uh, a squad of Thunderwolves, and a squad of Scouts. So... Um, I don't really remember care who went first, goes first, That does not really matter to me, but what is impressive is that with a Space Wolf Alpha strike pod list, basically his goal was turn one, you drop in three of the pods, and you put them right in the other player or my, my front line. So he just came right to my doorstep. Like, I had put three Turbogons and, and the Gaunts out there, and I was sort of Preparing And most of my stuff was going to come in from deep strike. I had the bio bores there, but most of my stuff was going to deep strike onto the board. So I was really just sort of starting to get set up at that point. So he drops all these drop pods in my grill and they come in and they come in hard. So they land, they deploy, and they're dropping guys with plasma guns, melted guns, combi weapons, blah, blah, blah. So they have to cripple your army the turn they arrive, if they can. And he, he tried really hard. I had a lot of good cover, so he didn't cripple me as bad as he, he would have liked. So he did a few wounds. He really didn't do much to the Turtogons. He dropped, I think, two of the squads of termagants because they were really small. They were 10-man squads. They were easy to drop. They were easy kill points. So he got first blood. He got a couple points for those. And he got all of his guys out there. The problem with these Alpha Strike lists and these Drop Pod lists is that all of a sudden your guys are not only in my deployment zone where all of my guys are, so I can get a turn one charge. They're also really close and clustered together. So it makes them susceptible to flamers, to blast weapons, to da-da-da-da-da. So with an Alpha Strike list like that, I feel like he really had to cripple my army from the beginning. And he he didn't cripple it. He was It was definitely aggressive. It was very aggressive. So I had to deal with that most of the game. And then my stuff started arriving a couple turns in. So my Doom started arriving... Uh, my Zoanthropes started arriving, my Hive Tyrant started arriving, and I started just basically fighting back. Like, the Doom does an, an amazing <laughs> amount of damage when he wants to, and when there's that many guys to, clustered really close together, it's really not that hard to do a lot of damage with the Doom. So he came in, the Zoanthropes came in and started destroying stuff. And So by the end of the game, what had happened was he had eliminated almost everything I had with the exception of like a Hive Tyrant, the pods, and I think a squad of Dacogons. Um, But everything else he had wiped out. And I had wiped him down to basically his lord on a Thunderwolf, which was his commander. So basically it it amounted to, I felt like, in order to win, victory points wise, I realized he was ahead. I was going to have to completely wipe him out to the model to win. So around turn four, I started flying the flyer around and just gobbling up drop pods. I just started, because they could destroy a drop pod very easily. So I would just go up to a drop pod, shoot the crap out of it with my Strength 6, Devours and just destroy it. So I would drop two drop pods a turn. To turn four, I drop two. Turn five, I drop two. Um, at this point, he has a Thunderwolf Lord with one wound left. He drops my Warlord, who is one of the Flyrants, in one turn of hand-to-hand combat. Just completely wipes him out. Kills all four wounds. Wow. Like nothing. Just amazing. Just a really awesome hand-to-hand. And I think I had come down at that point because I wanted to be able to assault him. I forget why I had came down, but I had glided instead of swooped. So I came down, and that was probably a mistake, but it was what it was. I I guess at that point I I was feeling fairly confident. If that hadn't happened, I think I probably would have won the game if I had stayed swooping. And he didn't have a gun, so it's not like he could shoot me. It's not like he could force a grounding test. But for some reason I came down. I don't recall why. Maybe it was because I was afraid that if I didn't destroy the pods, the drop pods in shooting, I would have to assault them, and then I wanted to be able to do that, I guess. That That sounds right now. Um, anyway so at the end of the game we go to turn 6 and he wins because he has one wound left on his lord uh, and that was it like he had it, the victory conditions were he had 16 to my 13 victory points so he was ahead in points I needed to wipe him off the board I destroyed every model that he had including the 5 drop pods but he had one wound left since so that was that but he was a really fun opponent it was really enjoyable I really liked it so that was probably my best game of the day and that was with a guy called um, uh, uh, Chris Bischoff and uh chris is actually a tournament organizer in uh, uh he told me where it was it's either spring lake or somewhere in the in that region the fayette bell region i think so hopefully he's going to get in touch with me and we're going to work together on on doing a tournament sometime in the near future if i can help him out at all in any way i'd like to so chris if you're listening I, you know whatever i can do to help you out i'll be happy to help you out uh second game was with a uh death uh, Dark Angel Army. Not really Deathwing, but it had a lot of Terminators. And that was a much more one-sided game. Um, so for that game, it's basically he had uh, two squads of... Uh, what was the guy's name? Belial? Yeah. So he had Belial with a squad of Terminators, another squad of Terminators, which was like a control command squad or something. And uh, he had a few assorted attack marines, devastators, and just a smattering of other stuff in Aegis' line. And that was just... Uh, that was a really... Poor game for him. His name was Dale Sisson, and he, he he was a good player. I really enjoyed talking to him. He was a lot of fun. But it was just a war of attrition. And with the Turvagon army the way it is, if I spawn a lot of gaunts early and you don't deal with them, it's a big problem. And I think first turn I spawned like 14, 11, and like I don't know, 9. So it was like 40 extra gaunts on the board turn 1, um, or 30 some extra gaunts. And the other turbogons continue to breed throughout the whole game, so I ended up breeding like sixty, seventy eighty gaunts by the end of the game, oh and he just just he just couldn 't deal with it like only yeah. one of the only one of the turbogons crapped out normally, a couple of turbogons will crap out you know within a couple turns because um, rolling doubles on three dice is not that hard, really, so it 's the balance, but in this case, it just didn 't happen, and he just did not have enough firepower to deal with it. Um, so I dropped the Doom on his back line where he was clustered together and made him regret that. And uh, and he just couldn't deal with all the Gaunts. So the Gaunts just kind of swarmed across the table, and we just dealt with threats one by one. I did a really good job of just eliminating my threats one at a time. Um, but he was a really cool guy. I really enjoyed playing him. And he had a really couple of nice terrain tips. So after the game was over, we had a few minutes to spare, and we just sort of sat there talking terrain for a few minutes, and it was really cool.
1: That's, as I said, that's the problem with the Deathwing lists, or heavily using Deathwing, is because you're going to be outnumbered really easily by Horde armies. Yeah, and, I mean... And you have to have the, the firepower. Like, if I were going to take Deathwing Terminators, I think I'd emphasize shooting over close combat, because a lot of their special rules are geared towards shooting. Right. So therefore, you'd be seeing me take things like assault cannons and cyclone missile launchers. And to be fair, he did have some of that. Like, his, yeah.
0: ter- one of his Terminators had a Cyclone, and his Razorback was a twin-linked, um, what do you call it? A twin-linked assault cannon. So he had some shooting. It's not like he yeah. came ill-prepared, and he had an Aegis line with an Icarus cannon. Um, but he just, it, I just feel like he didn't have enough, and I feel like he was playing very defensively. Um, and I was playing very aggressively. So, yeah. uh, you know, it, w- it was just, maybe it was a bad matchup, um, because yeah, it he sounds like player. it. I mean, I, it? yeah, yeah, and we knew halfway through the game where the game was going. And to right. his credit, he was a really good sport. Like he just sat there. He didn't get upset. We just we sat there and we cracked jokes and we had fun with it. And I really because I know how hard he as well. Like he lost really well. Um, yeah, and I, I did find out in his third game he crushed his opponent. He was this gray knight player, so I was glad that he ended his day on a good note because I, I hated yeah. to think that it was just with that point where when you get to the point that you're beating them that badly, I feel I kind of feel bad. Like I, I just don't I don't like that. Like I like an even match. Like the first right. game we played was so even. Like it came right, down right. to one guy with one wound, and I was like, that's the kind of game I really like to play.
1: Well, at least the guy. Wiped out Grey, because I really don't like Grey Knights. Oh, yeah. It's, it's just, it's just a, it's a thing with me, and I'm just glad to know <laughs> that they got massacred.
0: They did. That, that particular army got massacred. Um, so my final game, I, was, I met this n- another guy named, uh, his name is Will Griffin. And he actually has his own little miniature painting and conversion service. And so he was kind of a new painter. So we were chit-chatting. Well, not a new painter, but a new converter, or new, uh, a new condition artist. So we were talking about his service, and he felt like he was undercharging. And so we were talking about that a little bit during the game. Um, So he had uh, a Space Wolf Alpha Strike list too And um, uh, So I kind of felt like it was the same list But he differentiated because he took Black Templar allies Oh wow Which I I felt like they weren't really Black Templar Like the Black Templar aspect didn't really come in much Um, I think that it was more of a flavor thing Yeah Because he didn't actually The models didn't look like they were Black Templars It looked like he was using the Black Templar rules But fielding Space Wolf proxies
1: um, that's how you want to go.
0: Sure, and that was fine. Um, he did take a squad. So it was five drop pods. It was it was very similar to Chris's list in the first game. The big difference being that instead of Thunderwolves, he took a squad of, um, of Centurions. And we're going to talk about this later on in the show during the Precise Shot segment, but his Centurions were just nasty. Um, they were just unbelievably good. Um, I, it was a... This was a game where it was one of those things where he took... So I guess the important thing to note in this mission is that he took the two of the new Vengeance batteries, which are a new terrain kit, which are very cool. Um, and you get these from GW, and the rules are in the box. But basically, the short of them is, is they're about 75 points apiece. They count as a, a building, so they don't have hull points or anything. They're armored value 14 all around, and each one of them sports a gun. In this case, he took the uh, battle cannon, so it's a 72-inch battle cannon. So it's Strength 8 AP3 Large Blast with a 72-inch range. Um, and you can put them in your deployment zone. So he put one at either end of his deployment zone so you couldn't get to them easily. So for 150 points, he had these two battle cans that just had range anywhere on the table. The only the only downside to them, I feel like, is um, that they have to target the nearest enemy model. You don't actually get to target. They're not a, like an Aegis line where you can man the gun. So yeah. they're they're automated weapons. So he was targeting whatever was coming towards him. So I felt like I had to deal with that fairly early on. And I knew from the original rolls, I was going to get turn one. So I deployed really aggressively and I put my Turbogons up on the line and I thought I will just rush these things before they have a chance to destroy me. I realized with the strength eight AP three, they're going to get through my armor, but they're only going to do one wound on a Turbogon. So I was like, I'll take a wound or two as I get up to them, then I'll crush them and then I'll deal with the next threat. Well, he seized the initiative. Um, so he got the initiative, and he had his Centurions set out uh, very aggressively. And the Centurions with Grav Cannons are basically... They get five shots apiece because they're um, relentless. Salvo and rule, too. Salvo 3-5, and they're relentless so they can shoot five times. They have Grav Amps, which allow them to reroll failed, I think, to wounds, maybe to hits. I forget which it was. Um, anyway, so he was he was rerolling as to hits, I think, and he was wounding on your armor, so with those guys he was wounding on a 3+, and it's AP2. So he did like 11 wounds to two Turvagons on the first turn. And they only had 12 wounds total. Or maybe he did 10 wounds. But but one of them was down to two wounds, one was down to one wound. And the other Turvigon took similar hits from uh, some other stuff. His drop pods came in and, and basically just dropped all their plasmas, and they all blew their plasma loads on me, and blah, 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 blah. So I felt like turn one, he had basically broken my morale. Like, my, literally, my spirit was kind of like, I was like, at one point, I looked and I was like, should we even continue? And he's like, let's play it out. He's like, you still got all your heavy hitters to come in. So we played it out. And uh, I was glad we did, because I, I guess I did not, I, I thought the Turbogons were really important to my strategy, and they were, but to be fair, he didn't really have a lot to deal with what I had left. Um, like, w- again, once he got all of his guys down and clustered, they were kind of a very convenient target of opportunity for me. So throughout the course of the game, I brought in my uh, my Doom, I brought in my Zone Tropes, and I brought in uh, my uh, Flyrance and stuff, and Dacagons, And So even though the first turn he wiped out all my Biovores, completely reduced my Tervagants to a couple wounds apiece, wiped out quite a few of my Termagants, and basically... For all intents and purposes, by turn two, he had basically crippled my army. Because as the Turbogons died, they started taking the nearby Termagant brutes with them, because they have like a whole Synapse thing going. So basically by turn two, he had wiped out, I don't know, maybe a thousand points of my army, like half my army. Ouch. It was really nasty. Um, but we kept playing, and it kind of became a war of attrition. Like I brought the Zoanthropes in and they, over the course of several turns, killed off uh, the centurions with the help of the dacogons that arrived. Uh, the its pack a Devourer, so when I pop 20 of these guys into a pod and they arrive, they get 60 shots. So they dealt with a Centurion or two, Zoanthropes came in, helped them out, and basically finished them off. Um... And then a unit of his scouts charged the the Zoanthropes, and that took them off an objective. The Doom came in, started dealing with all the clusters of guys. They came in and tried to attack the Doom, so that pulled them off the objective. So a theme started here is that he was having to deal with my guys as they came in piecemeal, and it was pulling him off the objectives. And I was having a hard time getting in my Warlord that game. I kept missing my reserve roll. So turn 5 rolled around, and my Warlord finally shows up on the table. And I realized, as he comes on, I'm like, there is no one on any objective at this point. I was like, at this point, all that he's got on me is... um," And First Blood wasn't going to count, and it wasn't because it was only going to count in a tie situation. It was one of the weird rules about the Nova Open. So I realized at that point, I was like, all I have to do is grab an objective, and I win. So I flew, I swooped the the Warlord in 24 inches to an objective in the center of the table, grabbed it. It was a two-point objective. So the game ends... And he has. Uh, we both have line breaker, but I have the objective, so I win by two. Nice. Um, and it was. It was just really. It was weird because we were sitting there at the end. We were going, w- "What just happened?" Because he was fairly <laughs> sure he had it in the bag, and at that point, I was like, "Oh, I was like, I, I, I can actually take this." So that's how that worked out. So I ended up winning my second two games, and it was a really tight first game. Um, so it was a lot of fun. Like I felt, I came out feeling very confident about it, and it was good.
1: Nice, yeah, very
0: nice. And it was the most games I've played in a few you know, like months, I think. So it was pretty good. Yeah. Okay, so those are the games I've been playing. Um, so a couple last things in set rep right before we move on. Um, so I'm finishing up. since so this towel now, so I'll have pictures of that up soon. The Storm Eagle pro, Storm Eagle project is continuing. I've got the reds on now. Uh, I wanted to highlight this thing quite a bit, so I ended up doing layer after layer of red shadowing some, highlighting others to make a very subtle effect. So it looks really good, but it took many, many, many layers. So people who tell you that an airbrush is the quick, easy tool, not always. Sometimes it takes a while. Um, So there's that. Uh, Let's see. We've got two armies up on the block for sale right now, if anyone's interested. Uh, The Crimson Fist that I mentioned earlier are for sale. You can look at those through the Facebook page. And Justin just sent me his Corn slash Blood Angel list, and I've got those up on eBay right now. Um, so, do you want to tell them a little bit about that army so we can, if there's anyone interested, they can take a
1: look? Well, the idea generally is that I wasn't terribly impressed. This is back in the old, the fifth uh, edition Chaos Space Marine Codex. That, let's be honest, it, the rules were solid, but it was not very flavorful. So, oh, I sure thought. I
0: would, I'd say that's fair.
1: So, I thought with the new Blood Angels, when the new Blood Angels book came out, I thought, well, you know what? These guys actually lend themselves to a proxy army for a cornate world leaders type group right so it would only make sense that the world leaders would have had a lot of jump pack equipped uh, armies or forces in their back when they were still a legion so i thought i'm going to make a world leaders list that emphasizes mobility and close combat
0: yeah, but, it, it definitely does. It's like over forty four jump packs. <laughs> I did count I counted the other death.
1: Yeah. And just some other little interesting deviation type things, you know, some minor mutation or not so minor in some cases, mutations in many places like uh a I guess it'd be a sanguinary guard unit, but basically they were possessed marines or chaos marines. Um, you know, so so little things like that. Uh, and that's that's the whole emphasis is is close combat eventually i was going to add a land raider and you know have it to where it was you know deep striking and oh incidentally there's also a lord zufor from yeah Lord's world that's, in that it's list a nice,
0: it's a nice figure um I'm yeah i'm him i hadn't actually seen him up front before, up close before so he's a nice figure and yeah. he's in Really good shape. Like the army has basically just been all that's really been applied is a base coat. Um, yeah.
1: you Used it looks like the army painter red or blood angel red or whatever they call it. Blood that was the dragon red. Red dragon. Yeah, it that sounds. Right. That's it. That's all I've done.
0: And it's a pretty good base color. It's a pretty bright red. Um, it kind of reminds me of the not quite blood red, but it's just a, it's a good red. Um. Anyway, so it's a cool little army. So basically, you can count it. You counted it as blood angels. Um, yeah. But I suppose, in theory, you could count it as chaos, except you would just have to take... I mean, you'd have to count your jump pack guys as raptors, and there's just there's no way you could field that many raptors in a chaos army. Right. Um, but if you were to add a few troops' choice to it, I think it would be okay. So um, and I, I think this is an important distinction, because this is a themed list. It's a fun army. Like it's a, it's a heavy assault army. It's got a ball predator. It's got a vindicator. It's got some commanders. It's got a couple tech marines with jump packs so it's incredibly mobile um how did it how yeah. did it play you've played it for quite a number of years
1: um it actually against some lists it was you know of course they're going to get cut to pieces but against others it did all right yeah. um, i actually got to play a towel player back there with their old codex and it was a close run thing but i actually did i don't know why the guy decided to charge my one of my power fist infernus pistol sergeants with his one of his tau stealth suits. That didn't end well for him.
0: <laughs>
1: so that ended very badly for him, actually. Right. And you know, not every
0: list is a good matchup. Like yesterday, no. like that second matchup was just not a good matchup, and it's just one of the things you're going to have bad matches.
1: Um, well, this 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 list, folks, isn't going to win you tournaments, as as Caleb just said. It's it's a themed list. It's, right. It's a fluff list, and those are the kinds of lists I tend to build unless I'm playing fantasy and I'm playing certain armies in fantasy. Then I'm going to build tournament lists, but that's sure. that's another subject for another time
0: i i do think blood angels could be a competitive list i think an, an army with assault troops as a base troop is i i do think there's room to make that competitive um but the problem is i think obviously is that they're fairly expensive like what's the base type on an assault troop like that like 20 points or something
1: something like that yeah it's, so not
0: cheap it's expensive. Um, so it's kind of an elite army but what you're getting for that is you're getting a very aggressive very quick assaulty army which has its place and um, I could definitely see... A lot of times, well, this is a buyer's market, so if you're on eBay and you want to purchase this, bear in mind you're getting the army for a good price. Um, and then the, I guess the idea is that you can take that and expand upon it. Like, it's yep. not an army in a box where you just buy it and you're like, here it is, ready to play. Some armies, they are. Um, but a themed list normally isn't. Normally, you buy it for a certain aspect. Like, if you just bought it for the jump troops alone, I feel like it's worth it just for that. Like, to get that many jump troops... It's just yeah. it's incredible, even if you just harvested the backpacks and just used the base troops like the Berserkers and gave them normal chaos backpacks like there's potential in that army um, yeah, it does need a little TLC just because you know it, it has been around the block, so a little glue and a little time um, but I, but I do think it's it's a great potential army for the great buyer and you know I, I I definitely think that people should look at it and I'll put a link to the eBay listing. It will be ending next Sunday, so a week from today. Uh, and I usually time auctions out to end at uh, uh, 10 o'clock East Coast time and 6 o'clock West Coast time. So that way, the most people possible can bid on it, and hopefully the most people possible have the option to buy it, not when they're you know busy or at work, but when they're at home and their PJs on their couch watching TV, just with your computer in your lap or your iPad in your lap. And Just that way you can bid on it, and if it's convenient, take a look. Um, okay, so... Why don't we move on? Oh, well, sorry, one last thing. Uh, so, the Help for Heroes project does, is continuing. And for those who aren't familiar with it, I'll put a link. Um, but the short of it is, this is a, um, this is a project where, uh, what do you call it? It's a charity project, and it's designed for um, the Help for Heroes Foundation, which is a veteran support foundation of the UK. And we're putting together a Salamander's Army, and it's, uh, I'm on it, but there's about, I don't know, maybe 50 artists at this point. So, it's a big project, and there's a lot of us working together. And it, we've seen stuff like this in the past with, like, um, what was that project called? Um, the Storm Wardens a few years ago. And we did our post about this on Bell. So check it out. Um, raffle tickets for that are, I think, only, like, pound 50 or a euro 50, which works out to, like, five bucks or something. So with every raffle ticket you buy, uh, you are entered to enter into the contest. And if you win, you actually win the army. And the proceeds go to the Help for Heroes Foundation. Um, so, you know, really for less than, in theory, for $5, you could win an army. Like someone will win that army for the price of one ticket. Um, now they may enter multiple times, but, you know, anyway, so check it out. You know, even if you don't win, it's a nice, it's a nice cause and you could win, 3,000-point salamander army that's painted by half a dozen different studios. All of the armies looks good. A lot of cool conversions. A lot of guys have been doing the scale effect and flame effect on the model. So it's a tight-looking little force. Um, okay, why don't we move on to Lookout Circe. And uh, this is the portion of the show where we talk about what's uh, upcoming and what uh, what is on the, on the horizon. Um, so what is on the horizon right now is uh, Dark Elves. So this is from the Warhammer Fantasy line, and Justin, you played Dark Elves, I think, for many years. Yes, I do. Okay, and you still have you still have your army.
1: Oh yes, I I don't have quite as many Dark Elves as I have Space Marines, but I have a pretty sizable Dark Elf army. let I have at least four thousand points. Let's put it like that. Okay, that's that's a sizable. Floor. So I I am very excited about the rumors I've been seeing, um, and I'm very. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing some of the new stuff like the bloodrack Medusa and you know things of that nature uh, plus the new rules updates that the dark elves Army are getting or at least what the rumors are saying for example they're getting always strikes first thank God because they needed it sure um, you know and just the, some of the other changes to the to the overall um, structure of the army the only thing that kind of irritates me is that they have re-sculpted, I guess, the Dark Elf Warriors. Yeah. And Well, they
0: kind of put them in that tri-box we had talked about that I didn't believe was possible, but apparently it is.
1: The thing that irritates me is that I have all of these warriors over here, the old style. Sure. Now, I haven't actually been able to look at pictures because I've been just all over the place doing things. I've only been able to read things, but I don't know how divergent the new warrior-cut sculpts are from the old ones. That's my first problem. Just from
0: looking, they look very similar.
1: Okay, that's good to know. The only other thing I have to deal with is i really like to start giving some of my guys swords now that they can actually take that option because all the guys I have right now have spears. Right. And spears are neat in fantasy, but it's actually more efficient to go with sword and board in fantasy because of a specific special rule you get when you do that. So that's my only serious gripe. And the other thing I really am curious about is did they lower the cost of Malakith on his Black Dragon? Because as it stands currently, you have to play four thousand a 4,000-point list to take him because he's 920 points. Oh,
0: I see. Um, and I, because I'm not <clears throat> as familiar with fantasy, I, I don't really know, you right. know w- how that works. But... Um... So with a figure that expensive, is it like you can take, I don't know, one character... So if he's a 1,000 points, basically, and a 4,000-point list, is there like a 25% ratio, I guess? Is that the deal?
1: Yes, it's... When you make your list, you can have 25, up to 25% of your army's total point cost can be lords. Another, 25, up to another 25% can be heroes. Right. You have to have a minimum of 25% core troops... Uh, Up to 50% of your army can be special, and up to 25% can be rare. So in a normal 3,000-point game, because the points cost in fantasy tend to be larger, it's just the nature of the game, you can never field Malekith, at least on a dragon. Mm -hmm. And honestly, the older book, he was terrible to take in combat on a dragon because he could literally be combat res to death. I mean, I, and that actually happened to me. I, I had this big, horribly expensive unit, literally one-fourth of my army, and I charged him into a unit that he probably shouldn't have been able to wipe out. And just due to the nature of die rolling and due to the nature of the close combat rules and fantasy, I literally lost my my army's general mm-hmm. because of... of of a special rule. It wasn't like they inflicted any wounds or anything on him. He just... uh, It was just the nature of the the combat. I don't want to get into the explanations here because I'd be all day trying to explain how close combat and fantasy works, but it genuinely pissed me off. I mean, I I don't get pissed off at games normally, but for something like that to happen because of, you know, a a special rule for a point unit so expensive, I mean, it really pissed me off. Okay, I see. So, you know...
0: Well, um, I, I pulled up one rumor site where it has some of the rules for the new guys, but it doesn't have Malkis listed, so I don't know for sure. Yeah. Um, so, unfortunately, we don't know. But if any of our viewers know, feel free to
1: comment. Yeah. Um, please please case. let us know, because I really would like to know.
0: Yeah. And, and I know that these are shipping, I think, this week. Um, yeah. So, they should be here soon. Um, I've,
1: I've already ordered my, uh, I pre-ordered my copy of the book. Okay,
0: cool. Nice. So, so you will know yourself
1: very soon. Yes, I will know very soon.
0: Yeah. Um, so I feel like we should do a little talking about the actual models. Um, we don't have to talk about them a lot because we've chit-chatted about them a little bit. But I, I do think the new releases are really nice. And, and I hear what you're saying you know, about you know, how do the new ones sculpt up to the old ones. But I think it's important to, to point out that you know, they have to release new product. I mean, those old models
1: were, were old. I mean, uh, Yeah, especially the Hydra. Terrible, terrible model.
0: Well, and it was cool for the day. I mean, I, I think it was neat for the day. But it, it suffered a lot of problems in that it was a pewter model. Of course, it went to fast, but as a pewter model, it was ridiculously heavy. It required a lot of pinning. Most hobbyists don't do a lot of pinning, so it was kind of a difficult model to use. Um, The new model, the new War Hydra slash Charybdis model, I think is really great. I really like the look of it, and I think the Charybdis is a nice variation. Uh, Yeah. It's really, you know, $65 is not cheap, uh, but it's not terrible. We've seen worse. Uh, The Cauldron of Blood is... Fairly expensive It's seventy-five points. It's also a chariot-style base. I don't love the chariot portion of it, but I do like the rack Medusa, and I do think the Eldar avatar of Cain uh, yeah. uh, figure on the back is really neat. Um, you know, and he's kind of an idol. He's not really like a true avatar, whereas the skin is not exactly you know this whole like molteny look. Uh, right. But I'm not in, I'm not convinced that he couldn't be used as an avatar. Like he is a little straight straight figured. But I do feel like a good converter could take that figure, heat them up a little bit with a heat gun, bend them into a more dynamic pose. Right. The spines on them are going to melt under the heat gun, so you're going to have to replace those. But I, I do feel like a good converter could probably tackle it. So that may be something I want to try at some
1: point. I, I, I think the kit itself, yeah, it's $75. And that when I first That's saw cool. that, I was like, oh, my God. But now, then I realized, wait, you could actually build like, three different units out of that.
0: Yeah, you've, you've got potential there.
1: So, so th- because it, it actually, if you read the description of the model, mm-hmm. it actually says if you don't use, like, say, the Bloodwreck Medusa... You can use that. You can actually, there's actually a, a, a base that's included, a monster base that's included that you can actually field her off the, um, you know, off off the shrine. And I'm like, that's actually really cool. And that actually makes that Kit, kind of a steal in a way. get mm-hmm. uh, yeah, again, it is. It is a. It still is a winceworthy worthy price. But considering, like I said, you're going to get at least three three playable units out of it. Right.
0: I, I think that they balance that out a little bit in other areas because they had, um, uh, like for example, the Dread Spears, Dark Shards, Bleak Swords. Yeah. Um, uh, they're only thirty five dollars. And that's for 10 models with three different options. Right. Um, which is pretty good. I mean, considering I've seen 10 models go for $50 before, or $5 go for $50 before, uh, 10 or models of 35 with
1: basically a ton of bits options is, is pretty good. Or my favorite, $5 for $100. Or five models for $100. Right, exactly. Blood Knights. Exactly.
0: Um, so, yeah. And... uh they've got a new shadow blade assassin out and what else do they got out a shield pack, which um, I guess that's okay. Um, so that basically covers it. Um, the new, they have a new limited edition book, which is 90 bucks. Uh, the hardback is forty nine fifty. So not as bad as the space Marine codex by about $8. Um, uh, but still basically what we've come to expect about 50 bucks. Right. Um, I guess that's all the new models for that range. I mean otherwise been, oh, Sisters of Slaughter and the Witch Elves, we should talk about those. Um, I actually really like these figures. I was not at old witch elves and this became really apparent when the new Dark Elf Dark Eldar line came out because they re released the um, what do they call those guys? The females and that like witches. I guess they're just witches, witches for the y. Yeah. So the new witches were so so amazing looking. And the Dark Elf the Dark Eldar basic model, the uh, what do they call them? Warriors. Warriors, yeah. They're they're really nice, too. So it was time they updated these. And the new Witch elf Sisters of Slaughter looked great. Um, the Witch Elves in particular, I feel like, look really good. I feel like they could be used for different stuff. Um, I feel like just one of them would make an awesome assassin character in, like, a fantasy role-playing game. Right. Uh, and then the Sisters of Slaughter themselves, you know, at the very least, get basically nine or ten whips, which is a really cool, you know, bit for converting... You could use these for agonizers in the fantasy or the, the, the Dark Eldar line. And the masks are actually really trippy. They kind of remind me of the Immortals from um, uh, the uh, 300 movie. Because they're, they're just sort of this scary, gear, gilded gold. You can't really see the eyes. Um, and I didn't really read the fluff on these, but someone told me these are like the daughters of outcast Dark Eldar nobles or something like that. Yeah. So I guess it's kind of like this is a shame position for them. So it's sort of like—is it like a glory through death kind of thing? Like this is their last way to redeem themselves or something?
1: Uh, this is—they—they seem to be a new unit because in the older book they there was no such unit as Sisters of Slaughter. So I—I I, yeah. I don't know yet. I'll let you know as soon as. I'm
0: <clears throat> If if that's the case, it kind of reminds me of the dark. What's the um, dwarf unit that does kind of the same? The guys who slayers. Yeah, the guys who dye their beards red. Yeah, slayers. Um, okay, so I think that's just about enough of that So in our next segment of the show We're going to do our meat grinder section And we're going to, uh, I just got a text from Thomas So we are going to have Thomas on to talk about Basic rules um, So we will get to that here In just a minute um, So why don't we take a short break And when we come back we will have him on the phone and, Or on the, on the podcast And we will do a brief discussion About um, 40k rules What we think should be changed and So that's up next uh, so stay tuned and we'll be right back if you're interested in advertising on war council let us know we can be reached at war council at whitemetalgames.com rates are extremely competitive but there are limited slots available so please contact us soon All right, guys, welcome back. Um, we have a guest speaker today. We have Thomas Reedy, aka Goat Boy from the forums, with us on the line today. Thomas, you want to say hello to everybody?
2: Hey, how's it going? Uh, you've probably heard of my stupid name before at some point. Sorry, my voice is a little off. Um,
0: Why is your voice a little off?
2: Uh, allergies. So oh, it, I, I get so I get that lovely uh, <clears throat> little uh, you know weird voice where I sound a little little more uh, like, like. Are you mad? I'm like no. <laughs> I can't. I can be.
0: <laughs> nice. Does your wife realize when this happens that it's not like? Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> She's not reading into it. Something that's not there. Like, why are you mad at me? I'm just hoarse. I swear to God, I'm just. Sorry, just,
2: just my nose. My nose is a. Uh, that's what. That's what I deal with. So. Oh, okay.
0: But. Nice. All right. Um, so um, we've got uh, Thomas on the show today because for the meat grind portion of the show, we are going to be talking about. Uh, rules of the game, and what you would do differently. And so what we're talking about here is we've all played 40K for a while. We've all heard people talk about house rules and personal rules, and this is fair, that's unfair, blah, 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 blah. We've also sampled a bunch of different games. We've sampled non-GW games, Infinity and Flames of War, and we've all played a smattering of other war games. So we've seen what works in other systems. We've seen what works in 40K. And Justin and I were talking about this earlier today. I, I do feel like one of the reasons that makes 40K so popular is not necessarily that the rules are great. I, I think the rules are okay. Uh, but I think the fluff is what really separates it from the herd. I, I think that the story is just, you know, it's, it's one of those stories that's very mutable. People can identify with it readily. It's got a lot of themes that we can easily jump on board with. There's, you know, you know without getting too into it, I feel like the story is what, what really makes 40K outstanding. Um, but the rules I do feel like fall flat sometimes so I, I want to sort of open up a discussion about what we would do differently if we were game designers and I am not a game designer I, I don't think about balance that often in games I, you know unless I'm running a game but even then you know balance is one of those tricky things that it can go out the window very very quickly and GW has gone through several iterations on their 6th edition of 40k at this point they've had game versions where you could build units from scratch with a point build and now they're back to their normal thing where you buy different point upgrades for a unit, which I think is okay. Um, but, so I'll start the conversation off. Um, yesterday in the tournament, I was going up against two Alpha Strike units, or armies, and the way those armies function is that they, they have to go first, and they have to cripple your army turn one or turn two. They have to hit you so hard that you can't fight back. So one of the things that I've heard about, many people talk about for many years, and I do think there's value in it, is the idea of you go, I go. Basically, I move a unit, you move a unit. I move a unit, you move a unit. And there are some reasons that could be a challenge in that if I have a unit with an army with, let's say, 10 units, you have 15, does that mean we move our 10 and then I move my last five? Um, but I, I think that would help to mitigate some of the problem with an Alpha Strike army. And the question is, is an Alpha Strike army realistic? Is that really in line with what would happen? Would all of these guys suddenly drop down and all fire on you at the same time? Or would a unit fire and then you have a chance to retaliate? So I'll open this up to you guys. Do you think that it would be better as a you-go-I-go format? Yes or no? And what do you think on that? Why don't, Justin, why don't you give me your thoughts first?
1: I've actually thought about... I, and I think the technical term here is turn-threading. Okay. Uh, anyone feel free to correct me on that, but I think that's what the term is, is, is threading. And I think it would actually make things more interesting, and it would also keep the other player engaged, but you would have to, as you pointed out, there's some considerations you'd have to make if somebody has a larger army. Right. But I think it would actually keep both players engaged because sometimes you have, you know, these long turns where you're sitting there waiting for your opponent to finish, you know, doing whatever it is they're doing, you know, and you have to keep in mind all, you know, throughout that whole situation what you need to do on your turn sure. to respond to properly respond to that—that's my two cents.
0: Yeah, I yeah. have noticed halfway through certain turns, I'll already be strategizing about the next turn, and unfortunately, my my opponent's still playing. <laughs> right. So, Thomas, what do you think?
2: The problem with like turn by turn stuff is that this game doesn't scale to that. Uh, it works better on a smaller scale because you have a lot of stuff. Um, they do this, you know. We have in, uh, interception and stuff so like that. Is that kind of mitigation? Um, also, you read all the books. The big, huge Alpha Strike smash-in with drop pods is how they write the books. I mean, that's kind of how a lot of 40K is played um, in those uh, in those stories and everything else on there. Now, you know, you know the big thing. Also, the biggest difference is, unlike a, any a realistic thing, you know if they're going first, you know they have an Alpha Strike army. You know this, and you basically just plan out for that by either creating bad situations or you bait certain situations. And that's how I look at it. i like, if I'm playing against someone's like, oh, I have this Alpha Strike. Army. I'm like, oh, well, that's cool. I know know, the table's this long a distance, this type of stuff. You've given me so much more information than I would ever need to have, and at that point I can plan out. And and I have, you know, plans and, you know, things for it. I I don't build armies that were going to be gutted in one turn of a a shooting. But, again, that's just, you know, I'm used to that type of stuff and everything else. You know, I used to, a lot of times, an Alpha Strike army is not a very balanced army, because it doesn't go first, or if it gets a bad turn, or bad, uh, you know, let's say against the old, you know, Grey Knights, they would have, like, warp out uh warp quake all up and you're like awesome well i can't do anything so that's kind of my thought you know on it but
0: so what are the things to be fair what are some of the things you do like let's say you're playing an alpha strike opponent and you know that he's bringing alpha strike you've seen his list you're ready what are some of the things you would do to create a bad situation for him
2: um, you basically you can bait stuff. You basically give out stuff that you know you can lose. It's not going to lose you the game on it, and so but it's a real good bait. So they'll bait in there. They'll come down. They'll try to kill that because it's a great thing to bait on it, and then you just respond and you remove that army. You remove majority of their army in their turn. Now that that's the way a lot of the forty k can go. Now is that you know if you don't if you don't have the correct pick the proper choice or pick the right things the response is going to kill everything you have on the table, and then all of a sudden your Alpha Strike is just, you know, you don't have anything more, and now you're scrambling to try to even win or have anything left, and you might be tabled on that, you know, second turn, nothing comes in. So that's the problem with Alpha Strike, is that it's an all go big or go home, and everything else. I also, you know, I, I play a lot of Demon stuff. I play stuff with, you know, I don't have tiny little units anymore. have I either have Tiny units or really big, strong things. Uh, a little bit of redundancy that I don't have to worry about if I lose everything, it doesn't matter to me. That's another big thing on it. I mean, what were you playing that Alpha Strike hurt you so much?
0: Well, it it was, um, was, and and to be fair, I played two different armies yesterday, and they were, were three different armies, but two of them were Alpha Strikes. Both were Space Wolf units, and both had five drop pods, With what you would probably expect, they were Grey Hunters with like a combination of combi Meltas, combi Plasmas, Plasmas and Meltas, and Flamers. So what he did was he dropped down in my grill, and I was playing a Turvagon heavy list, so I had three Turvagons and three squads of Gaunts to make them troops, so I had a bunch of troops spread out. So he would drop down literally on my doorstep, very aggressively, which is fine, it's fair. You can be a little more aggressive with the pods because of the whole their guidance thing in martial yeah. guidance but anyways so he would drop down basically blow his entire load of melted and plasma on turn one and like I was telling Justin he has to break the back of my army basically turn one and the, I feel like one of the counters to this is, is that once they do that suddenly they're in your face and all of a sudden you can assault them basically turn one and on top of that, they also had to cluster themselves very close together. So in my case, I would bring, like, the Duma Malanti in there, or I had some large blast templates, and they just became very susceptible to that. So I feel like there is a counter to it. But let's say, for example, like with the Alpha Strike, with the Leaf Blower list, for example, if you, a, a year or two ago, you could bait army units for that. But with the Drop Pod list, I don't know if baiting's really the thing, because they're just dropping wherever they want. They're not going to go after... They might go after an easy target out there in no man's land, but in my case, all of my guys were in my deployment zone. I had nothing well, out there baiting let, them.
2: Let's see, bait is bait is a different thing. So let's say you have that one on there, and you have your Turbogon. So what you're going to do is you go, okay, you, you, you basically create a very, you basically create what I call a Tyranid Twinkie, or mm-hmm. very, so you go Turbogon, Turbogon, everything is really packed tightly together, your ter, your Turbogons in front, that you just leave out. You go. I'm going to give up first blood. I don't give a crap. You basically spread out two, 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 two. You're basically forcing them that um, they can't get double tap range to hit your turagon. So now their plasma shots only one shot. So basically, you sit there and you sp- your turagons are tor- all the way towards the back. Um, you basically put out your your uh, turagons in the front to where you go two, 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 and make them not get a two in. You know, not within twelve inches, you double tap into them. Um, you have on those lines. The other thing you could almost sacrifice is you could almost have put out the Doom out in front and be like, cool, you can kill the Doom. The Doom's going to take a lot more to kill than normal, normally. And you can you could have just baited with the Doom out there and be like, cool, it's going to come down. They're going to come down. They, act, they they spread out. And then during their shooting phase, your Doom goes off. Sure. So it's going to oh, go off. That's true. It, well, it I mean, will go off. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's a good point. I, I wouldn't have thought about that. Now, unfortunately, in my case yesterday, my Doom was in a pod. So I don't think I had, I don't know if I had the option just to be like, oh, I'll just start on the board then.
2: I think, I, I have to look at it again, because I thought it was just like a, a pod thing. But maybe, you might be right. I haven't seen them in for so long. Um, I, haven't looked, I haven't looked the book fully. But that's the thing. Those are the things you can do. So okay, you basically, you, basically you, go, you go, okay, my opponent, like, you know 100% your opponent's going to do this. Like, you know there's going to be no else. You know they're going to drop on. And they are going to drop on, they're going to kind of try to alpha strike and everything else and go from there. And a smart opponent, what they would normally do is they would, what if they had a lot of room priests, they're going to drop further out and try to jaws you out. That would usually be the correct thing to do, and you just got to hope your terogon survive. And if they're going to, if you know if they're going to have, if they have four room Priests of jaws, you might just be like, okay, um, spread everything out fully, <laughs> like do all over the place, and make right. sure that your uh, little termagants are hidden behind, like there's one or two behind a building or something like that, and just spread out. So I mean, you you, ha- you have a lot of weird options that you can basically make them screw up.
0: I, I like your idea about basically using your the enemy's strategy against them. I, I think there's merit in that, but I think that it's one of those it's a case by case kind of basis thing. Because with those drop pods yesterday, he the, my player my opponents were very surgical with them. Like, let's say i had put my terminators out further, they were literally dropping them into spaces whatever six seven inches wide, knowing that you know if they drifted this way or the other, they would just hit. Something impassable, or well, not impassable, but difficult well you, and just stop. Basically, so you
2: so you take a you take a drop pod base. So it's got about I don't know. It's like three and a half. Yeah, fair enough. So you add an inch. Remember, they can't be within an inch of you, no matter what. So they can't physically place it there. They can't go there. So you just you're basically creating these little pockets that they can't put in there. So they either have to they go towards an angle that might take them off the board. Everything else. So all you're doing is you're gonna you're, you're going to give up first blood. You know that your termo, some termagants are going to die. There's nothing else you can do about it.
0: So maybe what would have worked in this case, and it wouldn't have worked for me necessarily, but in a smart player's case, maybe spreading out a unit so that there's just nowhere for that drop pod to drop. Is that kind of yeah. what you're saying? Yeah,
2: basically you're saying I'm giving you this. This is all you're going to get, and if you can't you can't get any more than this, anything else. And that's kind of that's that's the big thing on these drop pods, and that's the, the one thing. Now you can. Like I said, you, I use You know, I when I when I think of drop pods or anything else, I'm using them more so as ways to uh, create. Um, you know, not have to de- deploy, and then I can create my own kind of deployments zone of where I want to be. And a lot of times, more so, mitigate their alpha strike on me. Um, okay. but yeah, there's, a lot of times you just you just create <clears throat> bad choices for them. And there's a
1: there's a, a a tactic you can do in Warhammer Fantasy. You know, if because sometimes you have units that come in from the other side of the board, from actually behind the enemy. Dwarf miners do it, and uh, like Alphington kind of. Uh, yeah, essentially, they, it literally you can literally come in right behind another unit, okay. which in forty <clears throat> k isn't such a big deal, but in fantasy it's a huge deal because of, of facing. But forty k it's a big deal if it's a vehicle. I mean, if you're coming from the rear facing it a vehicle, it doesn't. Yeah, but it doesn't it won't cost you the game like you could in Fantasy. Fair enough. Um, But my point here is is what Thomas is just saying right now. To make it impossible for them to come in, one strategy is to, like Vampire Counts, they can line up zombies at the edge of the table so they can't come in. So you literally spread your whole unit out in a single file, because zombies are throwaway units anyway, and you just put that out back there, and they literally can't come up behind you. I feel like I've seen other players do that before,
0: where they'll line the edges of the board, they'll take a squad of like 30 IG and just yeah. line the edges of their deployment zone with the idea yeah. that you can't come through that area.
2: Right. They've done, a lot of that happens before. I mean, it's one of those uh, one of those kind of setups and everything else on there. So, sure. Yeah.
0: All right. All right. Well, I think that's you know a pretty... So you go, I go, we kind of dovetailed into Alpha Strike. So, But is there anything... I guess, is there any... How do I put this? Other systems I've seen this work in. I've seen this work in War Machine and Hordes. I've seen this work in lots of different games. Aside from Alpha Strike, do we have any other reason why we think it would be a good idea or a bad idea? Like not um, even considering Alpha Strike, let's just throw Alpha Strike out the window. Say it's a normal friendly game, your list, my list, that sort of thing.
2: It's it's good for um, like it's good for the smaller games. Just when you get a larger game, it doesn't work so much Cause because you get confused
0: with the units. You have. <clears throat>
2: Because you can mark whatever units you have now, now war machine is you pick a unit and you do the unit you do er- activate the whole unit sure. while forty uh, k would be you know everything else so it has a multiple layer like that the war machine has a multi layer effect that you have to pick the right order on it and again it's it shows uh, it 's another example of uh, the learning curve on war machines a lot higher than a lot of other games
1: you
0: Much. mentioned you mentioned inter- I hate to interrupt you, but you had mentioned interceptor earlier, and yes. I was talking with this about Justin earlier. I don't feel like there's a lot of new codexes that have interceptor in fact, the marine Codex doesn't have it at all, and they're the new kid on the block they have Skyfire, but they don't have interceptor uh and I, I like to bring that up I guess just because of the fact that you had talked about interceptor being a mitigator to a lot of these sorts of things but when every codex doesn't have equal access to it, is it you know
2: um it's a hard it's a it's a hard thing to say on it it's I'm just, I'm just giving an example of what is a u two sure. micro kind of aspect okay um I'm not the biggest fan of Interceptor because uh, when you start getting Interceptor it's a little too good, mm-hmm. uh, it is no fun for your toys to do nothing. When you're right. used to a game going back and forth, back and forth, it's, it kind of makes it no um, no fun. Uh,
0: I also don't like the fact that effectively your opponent can shoot twice in a row. Like, they effectively shoot on their turn and then they
1: shoot on your turn.
2: Well, they're not supposed to be able to... Yeah, and, that's, and, I, and I wish Interceptor would have been like, if you don't choose to shoot during your turn, you know, if whatever, you know, everything else. But I don't... I don't know a clean way to make that correct in a rule set. So that's why it's like, I don't know how to make that cl- the clean. Yeah, uh, I mean, you,
0: if you do intercept, you can't shoot on your next turn, but right. it seems like there's no penalty to you shooting and then I'm moving, intercepting, and you intercepting me. Like, there's, just, there's no disadvantage there. Because if you destroy me, who cares if you can't shoot on your turn? Like, who gives a shit? Exactly. All right, so let's move on from this. Um, why don't, um, Justin, you take the next one. What would you suggest as a change in 40k?
1: Well, one of my biggest pet peeves is the way scouts are handled in Space Marine Codex. Okay. Um, There's partially some fluff fluff issue here, but it dovetails into rules. Uh, Obviously, quite obviously, Games Workshop does not know a damn thing about real-world military operations. And the reason I say this is because why in the hell are scouts... Uh, essentially, your neophyte units, because scouts represent one of the most elite formations in a military unit you don 't send novices out to sabotage the enemy you know the enemy's uh, lines of communication or to you know blood bridges or whatnot. That is an extremely specialized skill
0: well, I think maybe the argument here would be that scouts are more like a scouting party, and what you're thinking of in terms of like elite like cia mi6 that sort of thing is more like an office what do they call it the assassins the officerio it doesn't matter the assassins basically those guys that are extremely elite literally an elite choice maybe an elite choice with infiltrators but they're not the same thing but see
1: it actually says in the rule entry for scouts that that is what they do okay and that's my problem, is I, I actually think that... So
0: you feel like scouts should be the cream of the crop, not the... Scouts the should news. be
1: some of the best units, in some if, if used properly, okay. should be some of the best units in the book. Okay. Uh, Thomas, how you chime in on that?
2: Uh, scouts have always, through all their fluff, they've always been the uh, neophytes, and that's the, way, the only one that didn't was, uh, what, uh, Space Wolves?
1: Yeah. The-
2: and, and they're specific because they're just crazy people. Um, okay.
1: I think I feel that the space wolves are the only one that has it right,
2: right. And they, but that's that's a different thing. Um, I don't know; they have to have some kind of neophyte because um, these like in surgical things they've already explained it takes forever to kind of get done and get going on there. Um, so it's a hard, it's a it's a hard, hard, hard thing to set up, you know. Kind of kind of aspects on it. Uh, so I don't know. Like I would like either way. I mean, like it's like or you would have uh, maybe you do something where the uh, people are. Uh, uh, some kind of, uh, you know, some kind of special group. I mean, I guess you would say that's like the assassins. Everything else, there, it's just a hard, it's a harder thing to kind of.
0: Well, is there I any think... example of a really elite unit in the game that is a scouting unit that's just better than a basic troop? Let's uh, that out.
1: How are Wolf Scouts? I haven't actually looked at the Space Marine. The Space I played against Marine.
0: them yesterday. They were okay, but they didn't make me. They didn't make me think of an elite unit.
2: Same armor, uh, weapon skill 4, BS4, uh, extra attacks. Um, they have more options for weapons.
0: I guess yeah. that's better, I guess. but um, So, okay, they might be a good example. So do you feel like the Space Wolves did it right, Justin?
1: Yes, and uh, to, to answer, to have the uh, a neophyte unit, I think that the answer to that is to do essentially what the Black Templars do. You have an actual unit of, you know, like with their, is it Crusader squads? Mm-hmm. You know, where they have they're they're neophytes, you know, and you just arm them. So you could do that, you could have that, because obviously you need that. Sure. But I really think that, that scouts should be an elite's choice and should reflect, you know, just how elite they are. I mean, make them a little bit like stern guards, essentially. Mm-hmm. Maybe not quite the same amount of, of, of power, because those are first company veterans, but, you know, at, at the very least, you know, for what they're supposed to be doing, uh, they need—and of course, the points increase would have to go along with it. But you know, they need to, to reflect—you know—their their options and their abilities need to reflect what it is they actually do. Now, in fairness to Games Workshop, thank God that the Landspeeder Storm is now a dedicated transport for them, but they're still not where they need to be.
0: Okay. All right, um, Thomas, why don't you take a stab? What's something you'd like to see changed?
2: Um, I like. I think. Uh, like right if now, if
0: you think something needs to be changed, oh,
2: there, there's there's things on there. I really think they should have removed a lot of these twin link options on these new high yield strength seven weapons. That that's probably incorrect. Starting with Necrons, all the way till uh, Eldar. I think that should have gone away. Uh, I think they need to. Uh, right now, they're mitigating misses, and I don't like the fact that they're mitigating the misses. Um, which is, you know, I understand they want to make stuff where things will work correct. Like, things that are supposed to work are supposed to work, but it just doesn't... Um...
0: So is this like the Prussians thing where you get to re-roll everything?
2: No, it's like the Eldar with this, uh, with the, the Serpent Shield, and if it twin links with a scatter laser, it can twin link that. Uh, the twin link Tesla on Necrons, where you're forcing to want to roll sixes for snap fire. Um, what else is there? The, the amount of tw- um, random twin link missiles coming out of uh, the Tau... With their uh, super upgrade stuff, like there's just too much of that, and um, so it makes it makes uh you know the fact that a lot of event organizers don't have really good terrain to block line of sight, so you just get mauled by shooting. Um, so that's kind of my 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 big thing. I would love to see some changes, which goes into the fact that you know if we can have better terrain in general, more line of sight blocking terrain, that'll probably solve a lot of weird problems. Now it makes assault armies a lot better. Um, but with overwatch and a lot of overwatch stuff that can make the overwatch better than makes those abilities better. So it's just, it's a weird, it's a kind of a, a, a weird, uh, setup. Like how you, did you play against any dog bombs yet? <laughs> what is a dog bomb? Uh, like 60 flush hounds. Oh,
0: I've heard of this. Spence played against it. I did not. Um, I've uh, heard it's, I've heard it's crazy.
2: Yeah. You're just, you're covered or, uh, I'm like screamer stars that I'm playing at feast of blades. Uh, it's four heralds of Zinch on uh, discs with nine screamers. It has a rerollable two-up save. Oh that activates. So, uh, it activates. So and basically you, the way you, I mean the way you play against it is you either ignore it or lock it down with something because it doesn't assault very well. I mean it assaults certain things well. Like it's really good against Tau, like that four riptide Tau that you're like okay I Voltron out two-up save and I charge your army. You're like all right <laughs> I will kill everything you have because it can do that. But against stuff like Chaos Spawner really good at keeping those units locked up forever. You know, certain things. You know, it's it's again. There's another game beyond it that's beyond just smashing your opponent. It's all about controlling their resources. So I can go all into that, but that's a, it's all it's all about controlling. It's like it's just like the uh, old things. Like it's all about controlling resources. That's really what this game's about.
0: Sure, I, w- yeah. I would I would definitely agree with that. Um, certainly in all the objective scenarios, but then additionally just. Um, yeah, no, I would I would, I would concur. Yeah. Um, okay. All source so why don't we do one more round? Um, and I'm going to go off the main rules and go into a unit because I, I, I like the idea of that There's certain units that I think that I'd like to improve upon. Um, and I think I, I'm going to choose the uh, Chaos Space Marines Codex. I think there's a, de- a, a a gap between the fluff, what we read in the books, and what we see in the Codex. And although I'm, I am a fan of the new Space Marine Codex, I'm not a fan of the fact that they don't have a transport for their basic troops other than a Rhino, because in the books we see a lot of the... What do they call the drop pod for the, the Chaos Space Marines? Dread uh, Dreadclaw. Uh, so we see this a lot in a lot of their supplements, and I feel like from a store point of view, this is an easy thing. Like, they have drop pods. It's a big seller with Marine players. I don't know why they don't have a plastic drop pod yet. So... I think it would add a whole new element to the Chaos Space Marine list. So I feel like that's what I would like to see. I would like to see the fluff line up more with the rules. Not in terms of the rules like the rules rules, because we can get into a big debate about whether the rules and the fluff line up. But I mean more like if it's present in the books, it should be present in the Army. and Or, I would, or if it's not, there should be a reason for that. It should be a rare vehicle, blah, 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 blah. But when something as prevalent as a dropship is that prevalent in the fluff, in the codex or in the Army books, I want to see that on the table
1: because um, all all the Trader Legions, no matter what what Trader Legion they are, right. have drop pods.
0: And, and I've assembled a drop pod, a dread claw before, and it's a big, bulky thing, and it's okay. And I don't know if there's a rule between Forge World and Games Workshop where one person can build it and the other person can't, but I don't necessarily think that's true because then they had the Trigon from Forge World and GW released a plastic Trigon, so. I don't really see the problem there.
2: Um, it has to do; they're not supposed to duplicate anything anymore. Um, and I thought that the lack of dread claw, or lack of transport flyer, lack of real transport of something, is just a bull crap. Right, but yeah. again, you know, uh, I, I mean, I don't write like the rules, so you know, obviously, I don't know what I'm talking about. But
0: so. chaos, <laughs> I mean, aside from the hell drake, wouldn't it be fun? To, like, there used to be a rule, I think, in one of the old Chaos Codexes where they were like. They had basically a rule where it was like if the Space Marines had it, Chaos had a variation of it that was Traitor, and it was I, I thought that was a kind of a, a nice soft rule. Now I don't think yeah. that applies all the time. You know, there should be some things that
1: Marines just have access to,
0: but uh, I, I feel like Chaos could have had a little bit more
1: going for them. Um, if, anyway. if anything, if anything, Chaos some of the stuff. And again, not everything, as you just said. But if if anything, some of the stuff they sh- have should be better.
0: At least one flying transport. I mean, I like the Drake fine, I, and I'm not going to get into it if it's good, if it's bad. Uh, I understand the Heldrake spam list. That's not what this is about. But but I think it would be great if Space Marines, Chaos Space Marine, had some sort of aerial transport. Something,
1: yeah. All right. Yeah. So,
0: Justin, why don't you take another one?
1: I would like to see a an amalgamation of. All the Space Marines into one book. Okay. You don't. No more. But but there's a caveat here. No more of this of fifteen gazillion codices for essentially the same with some minor variations. Of course, power armored armies. Because if you look at a bolt gun in the Blood Angels book, it's strength four, AP five. Uh, you know, range twenty four, strength four, AP five. Rapid fire. If you look at it in another book, it's the exact same damn weapon. So, I would want to amalgamate it into one book, and then maybe, as Games Workshop is doing right now, have supplements to show. Okay, these are the variant rules for some of the the less Codex Astartes compliant. You don't feel like army. that's kind of what they're doing now with. The well, they they aren't. I mean, okay. they're starting. They're they're going that way, like with they that they've they pushed Black Templars in. Right. But you well, know, I just mean in he, addition,
0: like these little like, what's the new? They just had like, for example, they had the Farsight Enclave book, and didn't the Marines like, aren't they going to get a book? White
1: scars and somebody else. But yeah. what I'm, I, 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 I'm I, I, yeah, you're right. They're going that way, but I just wish they would not half measure it. And just do the whole thing. So that way when the new one comes out, they'd have a Dark Angel supplement. Oh, I see. Because really, why do the Dark Angels really need a new book?
2: They're weird, and I think it has more so to do with uh I agree, I I don't know see why we don't have that for everything. But again, I'm all about, you know, one big fat book to rule them all yeah. versus little little stuff. And then you basically go into the supplements to uh to that way you basically force these in a lot of ways you kind of force these supplements for people to have these type of armies because most of the time that's all they need to do is little tiny stuff. Now, again, you know, you, people will argue that they don't get um, they miss the uh, whatchamacallit um, brain's not working. Uh, they miss some of the kind of the, the breakdown down of the flavor like this is my chapter, this is what I want my chapter to be and they kind of miss that. Which I understand too. Uh, it's it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's hard both ways. I, I just like more rules all the time. That's pretty much what I say I like yeah. rules, more rules all the time.
1: Yeah, I, I would. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of ways to address those concerns um, because essentially what I'm thinking is that the big Space Marine Book of Doom, you know, for lack of a better, would serve as a one-stop shop for all of your 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 Space Marine weaponry, whether whether it be a bolt pistol all the way over to a conversion beamer. Is there a conversion beamer in the new Codex? I haven't actually looked.
2: Yes, yes. I, I same thing I did too. I was like, I was like, ooh, maybe I could make another Master of the Forge. Um, conversion beamer, and then I was looking around and I couldn't really find it. Right, I was like, no, <laughs> but I, just, yeah, I found it. I, I oh, mean, thank it God!
1: Yeah, I, I actually have a tech, I have a master of forge on a bike with a conversion beamer, and I was like, oh. please tell me I, I, don't have a waste of a unit right. or a model. Oh,
2: I was, I was, I looked around. I was so because I didn't. Uh, it's in. Uh, it's just. It's not as just uh, talked about as heavily, and so yeah. I was. I was so mad. I was like, no, oh, please, because I wouldn't like. I've got a I've got a new really stupid list I want to see I think it's going to work, um, I think it's good so we'll see. Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, <laughs> you got really high pitched there. It's
2: it, it's 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 a very much a goat boy. It's very much a goat boy list. Uh, it's a it's a it's a it's a mean as hell Death Star. Basically, it moves <laughs> up and then it goes all right. Voltron out and then Voltron's out and it basically punches an entire opponent's army if it can. Oh wow! Uh, and it's not very big. Uh, uh, you'll see, I I think I talk about it uh, tomorrow on VOL, so you'll see it there.
0: Nice. nice. Okay, cool. So for those listening to the podcast today, this will not be, um, we're recording this on the 6th of October, this will probably be up on the 7th or 8th of October, more likely than not, so maybe it'll time out, so that'll be good.
2: I, I just cause I cause problems, so that's what it is, right?
0: <laughs> So is Goat Boy, do you, is that like your alter ego, when you want to do a bad list, it's a Goat Boy list, but when it's a nice list, it's a Thomas list?
2: No, it's all it's go point all the time. How about- there's, <laughs> there's no like. There's no, the thing is is like you know at this day and this and the list now and i and I was talking to people. I've talked to people about it, it's like if you don't have any kind of focus, you know anything else, your list is not going to be any good. It's like this is the way the game changes. You have like so many stupid books out now that all can do these really crazy annoying things. Like those grab weapons are annoying. You know. Oh, absolutely. And we'll see. I think we're going to get an FAQ soon. That's going to say you know the thing that everyone's been screaming about. Uh, they are going to cause you know when they when you grab them down twice it does three hole points you know which right. is going to lo- people are going to lose their minds and get all upset about it But so it's like yeah, look dude you have a bazillion rockets from Tau you know you've got a surplus of the rockets shut the f up you know yeah. just with it your riptides are going to die big poopy woo woo right
0: <clears throat> okay um, well Justin why don't we just let you go ahead and. While you've got the soapbox, could do another one. Um, so, what is your? What would you like to see changed? What's one more thing you'd like to see
1: altered? Um, let me see. What do I have? What do I have listed here? I guess uh, as an extension of what I just said, you know, to keep this from getting onto another huge soapbox, I'd like to see a better chaos book. I, just I mean, just okay, in general. okay. Don't get me wrong. I mean, some of the rules are solid, but I really would prefer to see another book. That lets you have, uh, you know, something that's more in line with what what the Chaos Space Marines were, with, with you know, to reflect their Traitor Legion origins. Okay. You know, um, and, and to have it without the broken stuff, but you know, that old what was it, the third edition Chaos Marine Codex? You know, where you had rules for a lot of the legions in there.
0: Oh yeah, you could do like Iron Warriors or Alpha Legion or. Right. Whatever. And
1: it's just, it just seems to me, now, I've heard six because I haven't actually looked at the book, but I've heard that the newer one is actually a little better. But the old one was uh, when the, what was it, fourth edition going into fifth? When okay. that one came out, that one was, the, again, the rules were solid, but it just felt, well, as one of my friends put it, soulless. I see. You know? Okay. Which is, of course, irony here because we're talking about chaos, but, right. you know. I, I, that's 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 my thing. Is I just I just wish the books would be a little more interesting and allow for more options.
0: Okay, Thomas, do you have a last one you'd like to add in? Uh,
1: I want to see. I really
2: want to wish they would see a better shot of them, uh, how they balance stuff. Because uh,
0: more better mechanics, you mean?
2: Uh, not necessarily mechanics. It's the hardware. It's just that. Just I want them to. I don't know. I, it, we just we don't see what their gameplay. We really don't. We don't have a whole lot of information on their back end how they want stuff on there. Oh, like you, I,
1: You want more transparency.
2: I would like more transparency. And you know that's true. Like I said, like in, like Fantasy now, now that Dark Elves have come out and it's kind of fixed a lot of the bad stuff, um, it's going to be a different game. You know? Which which I find a lot more interesting. Like we said, you know, I've heard a lot of people say Fantasy's gotten much better now that um, all the codexes are kind of getting on than the problem codexes. But the last one is Skaven. Okay, yeah. And it's not, it's not really that much of a problem. It's just, you can't, like, Skaven will make it where you can't win, and it can't win either, but, you know. Right. Uh, yeah. And there's a new thing in Dark Elves that kind of ruins Skaven a little bit. Uh, the one thing that lets you not, uh, you can't use Inspiring Presence.
1: Okay. That, that could get nasty.
2: Yeah, it's, it's bad. Like, you can't use your BSB. You can't, it's like, it's. A, I think it's a spell, and it's like, that's, that's going to change the game majorly, in a way. I-
1: and also the fact too the dark elves now have always strikes first. Thank yeah. God, Thomas. Are
0: you a fantasy player, and I'm just unaware?
2: I used to, I used to play a lot of fantasy. I still really like the models. Uh, I've got my I've got buddies who play, so uh, I hear about it from them. And I still, like I said, I I still like the models. I just I really can't put myself in another game and give it enough. All I used to play a lot of fantasy before, and it, my my wife said I would just get mad a lot because okay. you know in fantasy. The difference in 40k fantasy, you know, fantasy is much lower role types. they are like, well, this is what my average should have been, but when it doesn't happen, you are effed. Uh, So so that's what happened. So I got real mad a lot. So I was like, and then um, I was like, you need to just stop playing one game. I was like, so I just kind of quit from that. It's also one of the reasons why you don't see me playing other stuff a lot of times.
1: I I have noticed that fantasy can be more rage-inducing, actually, because um, I I was telling earlier on the podcast, uh, I was talking about, I ran Malekith. On drag on a dragon in a big four thousand point game, and that's literally one quarter of my army, mm-hmm. and I lost them to combat to combat res. Yeah, and I was I, as I said earlier in the show, I was genuinely pissed.
0: <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Isn't the like, idea of combat resolution though that it's kind of like you're you're balancing it out? It's sort of like you're not necessarily being you are being struck down, but it's more just I don't know, what's the word? Well,
1: it's we're talking about the biggest one of the biggest, baddest characters in uh the Warhammer world. Okay. Uh he's right up there with he he's in fact he might even he's up there or if not even more dangerous than Arcan or whatever his name is, the big yeah. chaos chosen dude. We're talking about one of the baddest dudes in the Warhammer universe.
2: Like he's right. the one that started the whole uh, I think with Dark Elves Leaving. Yeah, so the Dark he,
1: Elves leaving and he started the war. He instigated the war between the high elves and the dwarfs.
2: Yeah. He's he he's a turdmonger. So Yeah. <laughs> he 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 is one of the bad like Archeon's bad, but uh I don't know, this guy this guy's like, I'm I've lived forever, I'm bad, everything sucks, and I'm gonna F you up. That's what this yeah. guy is. Like he's 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 uh, literally along the lines of like, you know, demon bad, that kind of stuff, like that kind of yeah. long long lived yeah, and
1: actually his fluff kind of makes him, and I know they did this on purpose, but his 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 fluff, he's almost the Warhammer fantasy version of Darth Vader, because, you know, he's encased in life-sustaining armor after being nearly burned to death in the flames of a you know. So, well,
2: yeah. Well, you, to give you an idea, so he was supposed to be the next Phoenix King leader, and so he, I think what you take the flame or something like that, and it burned him, because he yeah. wasn't worthy, so he's really mad. <laughs>
1: Yeah, oh, he's see. super pissed. So yeah. to have to have this super powerful character basically killed because of an a of a arbitrary rule is rage inducing, oh, especially especially when it's one quarter of your army. Sure. Like they got, they got
2: It's it's again those rules like I think what the primarchs now in forty k are unbreakable right or something like that or oh my god they're scary. Yeah, so that's what, but that's what they're supposed. So should, anything this big should be, but that type of stuff isn't really viable in a regular game. So right. it makes it hard. But then you really don't want to sell stuff for an army that it can't be ever be playable in most normal situations. And so you're dealing with a, you know, the, so that's that's the, that's where the problem comes in. That should these some of these special characters, this other stuff, not be allowed in there. Now the like the new Primarchs, like a uh, Mer- Ferris is a beast. Like we thought. Uh, other oh, stuff was badass. These guys are bonkers. So Ferris
1: is terrifying.
2: Yeah, God, that guy's like I'm like, how did what? Like you're asking like, how did so and so kill him? And then you're like, oh yeah, he took his hammer away. It's like okay, okay, because there's I don't know how I don't know how he really dies. Logar's really good too.
1: Yeah, he's got especially if you give him that psychic power boost. It's bonkers. Uh, it, yeah.
2: So, but that's that's a. I digress
0: on that, so it's <laughs> okay. Well I think we're talk we've talked about doing a Primarch podcast sometime in the future. And I would love to see um, I don't know if anyone ever is ever gonna do this, but I'd love to see these guys in action, these Primarchs these new now that they've got rules, there should be, you know, someone should be doing a battle report or a bat rep about a Primarch battle or something like that.
2: We have we did one, we had whores running around punching stuff. How uh, do he uh, do he punches stuff. I think he killed like he killed us so much. He didn't die the whole game, and he was fighting uh, witches and dark elves, and he just—he he basically just killed everything. What does the watched.
0: unbreakable rule do? Just out of curiosity, because I don't have—I don't know. Uh, what it I does.
2: think it's unbreakable or something like that. Where well, basically they, they don't make a leadership check; they just don't—they don't ever—they don't, ever, don't ever break.
0: Okay, okay. so it's okay. Easy, I think is, that's what, what differentiates that from fearless.
2: Um, and they can—I think they can go to ground.
0: Oh, I see.
2: It's just like it's just like the way the demons are. Demons can go to ground, which okay. is a. Which, you know, everyone said I was like that's the biggest biggest rule change is that you have a unit that pretty much ignores so much of the game on a, you know, uh, if they break or anything, they're like no no care. I mean, of course you can die when you uh get in combat, but you know, 40k unless you're certain players like me who like to play assault armies, right. you never you don't know, you don't see combat that often. So this unit just never breaks. Um, okay. I like assault because it does. You can do a lot of tricks with assault that people uh Ignore the fact that he's like, I can turn off your unit without having to roll hallucination. You know, I can turn off your unit by like, basically locking this unit down forever with something stupid that's fast.
0: Right? Yeah, I agree. Nice. Holding units up—that was one of the keys to my strategy yesterday. Was units just got held up all over the place?
2: Nids are great at that, and so we'll see what happens. Absolutely. We'll see what happens with the new Nids. I'm, ex- yeah. I'm excited about them.
0: We are too. We've actually been doing rumor compilations the last couple episodes for them. We were both Justin and I are Nids players, so and I know you level 2, and we're super excited about that.
2: Yeah, I hope so. We'll see the mutation. Like, I know... And then you hear, like, you know, they're going to redo all the kits, and they're like, oh, my lord.
0: Yeah, I don't think that's necessarily true. I, you know, for example, the Carnifex kit, they've just talked about making the options viable, and, like, all those different carapaces basically didn't do much in this last edition. Yeah. So they're talking about stuff like bringing back Thornback, bringing back Razorback, bringing back the Mace and the Scythe Tail, blah, blah, blah. Um, I'd like to see some more options, like on the termagants. Like, I'd like to see spike rifles and strangle thorns, and or whatever they're called, Sp- I, Strangle webs. I forget the strangle webs. Yeah,
2: yeah. I would just like to see uh, some of the options in there. Like, I would love to see you know going back to plastic. You know, that's for more conversion stuff. Uh, Absolutely.
0: The whole rumored harpy.
2: I know. And I just hope they. I hope they fix the points correctly to where it's not the same. because like, right right now you, that army is always the same. You know, you pretty much, you know, every time you play against, uh, you know... Yeah, if you're going to play
0: a meta player, for sure.
2: Yeah, so yeah. it's kind of it's kind of frustrating, and, you know, it needs I'd to like be... I'd like
0: to see Shrikes become a viable option. I'd like to see pyrovores become a viable option. You know, I'd like to see... Ah. so many cool units in that book that I'd love to see actually be playable.
2: I know. Well, we'll see if... Uh, we'll see what happens with Pyroboros. The big rumor is Torrent. And a yeah, torrent is and I top. think
0: that's helpful. I think that's that's pretty good.
2: You do some. You can. You can pull some tricks with Torrent, especially with a deep striking in things. You're like, well, you can interceptor this, or you just deal with it. Sure, absolutely. So we'll see. <clears throat> All
0: right, well, um, Thomas, I thank you for a lively discussion today. We really appreciate your comments and your thoughts. And you guys can be sure to check out more of his work on. Uh, so, is is the website? What is the actual? What is your best website? Let's let's say that. <laughs>
2: Uh, the one I update a lot is goboy40k.blogspot.com, okay. and and then you want to check out. Then I have my own painting site and everything else, but that's where I usually keep most of my updates going in that ver- the weekly updates.
0: Now, if you guys watch my YouTube stuff, you'll see that Thomas recently sent me two of these NetQuark conversions that we've been putting together a concept ID on. And they looked awesome. I did a whole video on them. I thought they were amazing. And he also does all the graphic art for the site. He did the War Council logo. He did the White Metal Games New logo. He's doing concept art spread out the site. He's doing our banner art. So he also does great graphic art. And if you guys have followed his comic strip on Bella Lost Souls, then you know his style of art. You know that his art transitions over to his miniatures. And I don't use the term art lightly. He is actually an artist, and he does great work. And so if you're interested, please contact him. Um, If you want someone to do your miniatures, contact me first. But if you don't (laughs) like my work, Thomas is an amazing artist. He does great work, and he's fast as shit. So there's that. So Thomas, I really appreciate you helping out today and we will definitely have you back on the podcast again later. Um, and I'll give okay. you a call later on and we'll to chat about stuff. Definitely, Cool, man. Alright, well All right. I'll talk to you later on. Good good guys go you guys are good. Thank you. Talk to you later, Bye. man. Bye. Let's be honest. You'd rather be playing than painting. Let White Metal Games take the hassle out of painting and assembling your miniatures. We have a team of dedicated professionals who will make sure your miniatures stand out on the tabletop contact us at info at com. White Metal Games. Put your minis where your mouth is. Alright, welcome back, guys. Um, So, we thank Thomas for speaking with us today on the rules, Um, and uh, I think that was a pretty lively discussion, so uh, hopefully you guys can chime in with your own comments. Just let us know what you thought of that, and what you you would like to see changed in the rules yourself, or what rules you think would be good, and just comment on the Facebook page, and uh, we'll start a discussion there, and you know, just chip in your two cents. We'd love to hear it. So uh, moving on, we're going to head on to our rules engagement slash pop quiz. And uh, this is the segment of the show where we challenge each other with either a rules question or a fluff question. Um, and this week it is um, Justin's turn to ask. And it is my turn to be on the spot. So we will... Justin, what do you want to... What is on your mind this week?
1: All right. This should be fairly straightforward. Something near and dear to you, your heart, given that you are a Tyranids player. Okay. Name four Tyranid high fleets. Oh
0: shit! That's actually <laughs> that's actually a challenge. Uh, name four high fleets. Uh, Leviathan. Yes. Aachen. Yes. Um, hmm. <laughs> You're a Tyranid player. You ought to I, know this I stuff. I am a Tyranid player. That's really funny. Ah. <sighs> I'm sure there was a special one named for, uh, what was that supplement by, I don't know, is Infelion That was just a sector. Was that a name of a fleet? (laughs) I've never heard that. I don't actually think. I know two more Hive fleets. I mean, Leviathan, Kraken, uh, Hydra? I think Hydra was one. Yeah, I believe you're right. Hydra and... One more. Come on, you can do it. I don't know. Let me think. They're always named after mythical things. Yes. So maybe I can. Gorgon was Gorgon? Yes. One... There you, you, you go. All right. So, what, what, what other ones were there? Uh,
1: Behemoth. The oh, yeah. I think I missed that. Uh, Dagon in that's the right. Fantasy Flight. Um, and Naga.
0: Nice. I never heard of Naga. Dagon, that's kind of fun. Isn't Dagon like, isn't he like a god or something?
1: Yeah, you oh, know, and I forgot Jormunger, or however you pronounce it's a I, I can't pronounce it, but it's, that was the other one that I was forgetting, but Dagon, I believe, is a an HP Lovecraft Right, creature. that's
0: what I was thinking, what a cool name for a fleet, that's pretty neat.
1: It's in the Death Watch slash Dark Heresy um, rule set, so I figured I'd go ahead and throw it in there, because that stuff is supposed to be canonical, I think.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I do think that the Dark Heresy stuff really plays well to a style <laughs> game. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like D&D, or D&D, 40K is basically, I feel like, horror in space. Pretty much. Um, so I, I do like that sort of mentality where you just sort of fluff that in there. Well, that was a yeah. good question. Um, that was actually interesting. <laughs> and you got it. And I got it for once. Look at that. With a little struggle. <laughs> okay. So moving on, we'll move on to uh, Precise Shot. Um, okay. Okay. So this week in the highlight, now Precise Shot is where we focus on one particular thing. could be anything. could be a unit. could be a rule. We, we really don't differentiate. It could be anything we want. So for this Precise Shot, I wanted to focus on the Centurion. Um, so first off, before I get into it, because I want to talk about what happened yesterday with the Centurion, and I wrote an article for Bella Loss. No, it wasn't for Bell. It was for Spiky Bits. So I'll put an article for that, a link to that, um, in the show notes. Um, but the article for Spiky Bits was basically where... Um, uh Spence and I were talking about the Centurion, and although people gave it a hard time initially, I feel like it was just kinda of uh i don't know it got a bad rep when it was i feel like undeserved people didn 't like it because they don 't like the look of the model, but that being said it 's actually an incredible model uh, before before I actually get into it, do you have any comments about something or your thoughts?
1: I think the ranged version. Is it the Devastator? The the Devastator, yeah. I think that, if I were going to field Centurions, and I'd really like to, that would be the way I would go, because it seems to me that that can put out a whole lot of firepower.
0: Yeah, an incredible amount of firepower. Uh, I mean, the base model is basically you get heavy bolters and a hurricane bolter. Yeah. Two twin-linked heavy bolters, I think, and you get a hurricane bolter, which is basically three uh, twin-linked bolters. So, and I did the math on this thing, so when you start to actually think about how much that is, every heavy bolter um, gets, what, four shots? Three. Three shots, so that's two twin-linked heavy bolters, so that's six twin-linked shots, they're all strength five, and the hurricane bolter you get...
1: um, Three twin-linked bolter, three three bolt gun gun shots. shots.
0: Right, now, when you get into rapid fire range, though, those hurricane bolters go up, so instead of getting three twinling shots, you get six twinling shots. So you're pumping out a, a considerable amount of firepower. Um, that's just one model. That's just one model. So if, if the
1: entire squad, you know, you, that goes that's up even crazier. 30, 50, Wait, let me think. That's forty-two shot. No, higher than that. I think it's fifty-two shots. The math. I think the math I came through. 18.
0: Was, 18, 18. Yeah. So I, I, I think where I wrote it on this thing is that when you talk about when you twin link it and get them in rapid fire range, they're getting 18 twin linked bolter shots and they're getting nine twin linked heavy bolter shots. So that's, is it nine or 18? It's a shit ton. (laughs) It's a lot of firepower. Um, so for DACA, um, and I did the average on the math there and because they're twin linked, you're going to get an average, I think of 24 hits as a unit, um, whenever you do that. So that's, Incredible, like twenty-four bolter shots in combination with you know combination with heavy bolter shots, and then let's you know take that even a step further. You put that in a unit like let's say, um, well, now there's are twin links, so that's not going to work. But I'm sure there's some sort of space marine army out there which will give bolters another bolster, not just rerolling, but maybe something like I don't know, plus one or something, or blah blah blah. But they would work great on hordes. Oh yeah, for sure. So, um, now, that, now, that's just yeah. the Bolter version of it. The Grav Cannon version of it, which is what I faced yesterday. Uh, so these guys basically are sal- Grav Cans or Salvo 3.5, 24-inch range. They wound on your armor value. So Terminators are actually the easiest model to wound. And it's AP2. So these are Terminator killers. These are Marine killers. These are unbelievable at killing low-ranged models. They're not great at killing hordes. Um, because you know, literally against like a termagant, you're wounding on a six. Is <laughs> so that great? Yeah. But against most things, you're doing considerable damage. And I think on a vehicle, I don't remember what it is. I think it's a fifty-fifty shot or something like that. Like it's, yeah. a, it's half chance. The gravamp lets you reroll failed either to hits or to wounds. I forget which it is. Um, or failed, it relies your re-roll roll, failed wounds and vehicle pins. So that's pretty awesome. Um, all of that notwithstanding, the box itself. Even if you don't use those particular options, you get per model two grab cannons, two twin linked heavy bolters, hurricane bolters. You get, well, the hurricane bolters really don't come out of the shell, so really that's just a bit. Um, but you get twin linked melted guns, twin linked plasma guns, twin linked flamers. So just the plethora of bits you get is amazing. So if you want to use them for combi weapons or, you know, weapons for like, let's say, a razorback or a What's the Flying Imperial one? The Vengeance Gunship or something? Um, sure, or some shit like that?
1: Yeah. The one you
0: have to convert. The one that the box doesn't actually come with. The Valkyrie... can. Oh, the Vendetta. That's what it's called. So anyway, you've got enough LAS cannons in there to build a Vendetta. Um, so it just it's an unbelievable number of bits, and I think that gets quickly overlooked because the price tag is $78. But really, when you think about that, I mean, most game stores are going to have some sort of discount. You're going to get, like, whatever, 5 10% off. And then on top of that, you're getting three of these guys... When you compare it to like the cost of an obliterator at, like 22, 23 bucks a piece, it's not that bad. Plus, you're getting all those extra bits. Whereas with the obliterators, the extra bits are really too small to use for anything else. Like, they're okay for combi weapons, but you're not going to be able to use them on a vehicle. Um, so right. I, I, I feel like the Centurion is an awesome box, and actually, you get a lot of stuff. I think what people don't love about it is they don't love the look of the model, but I, I think they're actually pretty great. They got two wounds a piece. Um, they're. Uh, they're 2-plus armor Say They don't have an invulnerable, but nothing in the world. Do you have anything you want to add? Or, I don't know.
1: No, I, I think I've covered what I needed to say about the, their effectiveness. And and your experience at the tournament yesterday... Uh, they were so devastating. R- ...reinforces the point that those big, scary, heavily armed creatures, if you run into a group of centurions with the, the Graviton is, is it the cannon? Is that what it, it the is? Grab, yeah, the grab cannon. Yeah, if you, if, it run, if you run into that that particular setup and you have big monster's creatures, you're probably going to lose your monster's creatures.
0: And he was really well-posed to deal with that because he had um, Jaws of the Whirlwolf, which, this is just a quick aside, both of the guys had Jaws of the Wolf yesterday, and neither of them were able to get their power off. And here's why. Part of it is they basically dropped into my Shadow of the Warp area, so they were all rolling 3d6 and they rolled poorly. And part of it was um, they literally dropped down in my grill and I was able to assault them turn one. So for all you guys out there with Jaws of the Werewolf or Alpha Strike lists, be aware that sometimes dropping down like that not as great as you think. Um, but that being said, the grav cannons were amazing and I, I definitely highly recommend them. If I ever play Space Marine Army, I am absolutely taking a squad of these. Um, and the assault guys, I don't think they're as good because of the fact that they're bulky and they're hard to transport. But yeah. the actual uh, drills themselves, I think, are armor bane. So they're already strength five. And on top of that, they're doing an extra 2D6 armor pin. So on average, they're doing something like 12. So they're going to be able to punch through a lot of different vehicles. And in theory, they could punch through a land raider. Um, so that's pretty neat. Yeah. I imagine if you gave them some sort of modification, like if someone were able to bestow tank hunters or some, some sort of re-rollable thing, you'd have a really nasty combination with those guys. Um, The challenge, I feel like, is getting them into close combat. Yeah. Um, But that being said, I think once you do, you're in pretty good shape. Um, Okay. Uh, So we will move on to, um, well, let's see. Yeah. So we'll move on to uh, Overwatch real quick. We'll do that next. So uh, Overwatch today, we're going to talk about the Tyranid rumors, and we're going to do a brief sort of compilation of those rumors, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the mystery box and its lack thereof. So why don't we um, eat dessert first, and we'll start with the Charinid rumors. Um, so there's a really good link on Bella Lost Souls I found, or not on Bell. Um, this is on another site called, um, I think it's called Tales of Gamers. Um, it's a new site I came across, and it kind of reminds me of, it's a blog roll. There's only four guys blogging on it, and they're all... They're all, they all seem like very competent writers. So they did a compilation, and unlike the, the I guess, the Bella Lost Souls one, this one actually had, it was kind of well laid out. Not that the Bell one is terribly laid out, but this one was just clearly the guy had taken some time. Right. Um, and he had kind of summarized all of his different stuff, and, and I thought he did a pretty good job with it. Uh, did you get a chance to look over that at all?
1: Yes, Yes, I did. Okay. I read it last night.
0: Did you have any thoughts about it off the top of your head?
1: It looks as you know, if these provided these rumors are true, of course, that it looks like the tyrants are going to get a little more flexibility in the way they, uh, the way they operate. Um, Absolutely.
0: I think one of the one of the arguments right now is that the meta wise, there's only a few ways to play tyrants effectively, which I, I would kind of agree. I don't feel like you can feel just anything you want. Um, but anyway, um, so let's run down the list a little bit. So they altered the force organization chart a little bit to allow you to get an extra elite, two extra troops, an extra fast attack, and an extra heavy if you get a third HQ slot. Now, really what this means is, because they don't have allies, you're allying with yourself.
1: Right. That's
0: really the bottom line there is you take a third HQ, you effectively create the equivalent of a second detachment, and that detachment gives you access to more troops and one extra of the other slots. So even though that looks bad at first, the reality is it's an answer to allies. Um, uh, they've talked about um, only an HQ... Okay, so only the primary HQ can be the Army Warlord. Two different types of psychic powers, Devastation and ad- Adaptation. And of those, the Devastation Primaris looks to be a warp Blast, which is going to be... That is that is right now what the Zonanthropes have, which yeah. is pretty awesome. I think that's a yeah. great Primaris power. Um, the default... What does that say? Adaptation Primaris... Oh, the Primaris for the Adaptation is Onslaught. Now, Onslaught, basically what that allows you to do currently is allows you to run, shoot, and charge all in the same... Run, shoot, move, run, and shoot all in the same phase. But you can only assault if you have fleet. So when you break that down, you give this to a model with fleet, like, let's say, a Ravener. He can move 12, he can run, D6, he can shoot, and then he can charge, all in the same phase, which is pretty awesome
1: yeah pretty and terrifying I, I feel
0: like as a primaris power if you're able to give that around quite a bit you can actually have a lot of fun with that you can actually make your army incredibly aggressive because they're they're basically putting them into a, a speed category kind of like eldar or dark eldar where they're just really fast uh which i think is great
1: i think that's the way you can really one of the ways you can actually play Terranids if you know unless you're doing like a I don't know if Nidzilla is going to come back or not. It looks like they're trying to. They might be going in that direction. There was a it.
0: rumor about that. Yeah, I don't remember exactly what it was. It was something. What was that? It's somewhere on here. Um, oh, here it is. Um, yeah, so the Hive Tyrant, you're going to take extra different modifications. They say, and for example, if you take bonded exoskeleton, which I think gives them a plus one armor save, um, or it did in fifth edition. Doesn't happen in now. This edition doesn't have that. I don't think it does, but anyway, maybe it does, and maybe I just don't use it. But it allows you to take Carnifexes as elites and heavy supports, but they have a cap on the pricing, which is basically what they did in the old Codex, where you could take the effectses, which was basically two Devourers twin-linked for 115 points, and it put you in right at under the cap of their like 120-point cap or whatever. Right. So it was pretty perfect, and that was back in the day when Nidzilla was a very viable list. It became less viable in this edition because Carnifexes got so expensive.
1: Like, they start
0: at around 160, 170 points now before you give them anything other than Scything Talons. Right. Um, So, yeah, so there's that. Um, Ground trembles. Here's a nice special rule. Monstrous creatures are going to do D3 Hammer of Wrath hits, which is kind of in line with the chariots from the fantasy line. Yep. I felt like that was pretty great, actually. Like, I really like that they're differentiating that. I actually hope that other monstrous creatures get from that, too. Like, Demon Prince's... Riptides, that sort of thing. Because I feel like that would be maybe a little biased to let the Tyranid monstrous creatures benefit from that. But I think it's nice to differentiate the Tyr- the monstrous creatures versus, let's say, a jetpacker. And that they both right. get one Hammer of Wrath hit. Um, different Hive Fleets will have different rules. This kind of reminds me of chapter tactics from Space Marines. That's kind of yes. fun. Yeah. Uh, Ravenous Advanced units with this rule may run an assault in the same turn. That's pretty great. That increases their threat range tremendously.
1: Like, say, Hormagonts or Steelers? Yeah, absolutely.
0: And hormagons in this edition have the Bounding Leap. I don't know if they're going to keep that. The Bounding Leap allows you to roll three dice and pick the highest when you run. So you move six, you roll three dice, you're probably getting a five, so that's 11. And then you're charging. You have Fleets, so that allows you to, re. I think, roll an extra dice or something and choose the highest. So you're just talking... You know, these guys have a threat range of, I don't know, what's the threat range? They're probably 24 inches easily. Yeah. Um, so pretty cool. I mean, and they're probably going to get a cons- consecutive, or consecutive, a consistent charge of, I don't know, 18, 19 inches, which is pretty amazing. Well, not a charge range, but when you think about the run in combination with that. Uh, yeah. Um, so that's a pretty nasty threat range. That's, so, that's a turn two, one, turn two assault.
1: Tau players with gun lines or, you know, or, or even Imperial Guard with gun lines, beware. Because you're not going to have as much time as you think to deal with these guys. Oh, They're going to be in your face.
0: Speaking of Tau gunline, that just reminds me. I forgot I had one more game this week, and I'm not going to go into the details. But what I will say is I played a Tau player with my Tyranid list, and I completely underestimated Tau gun lines. I charged in with a unit and he had a Taldar list, so he combined an Eldar Farseer's Prescience Power with the Ethereal's fire cast. Oh my god. And I charged a unit of Pathfinders, but he had two units of fire nearby and all of my guys were within fifteen inches. So the bottom line is there was there was like twenty guys double firing for rapid fire with twin linked. And then they got an extra shot apiece because of the fire cast. So it was something like forty-five shots that were twin linked or something. It was just he just massacred my charging unit.
1: Yeah. But that's not gonna be an issue any longer if these rumors about Hormaga, you know, the way Hormagons or whatever might work with the- all these abilities or powers because you you'll be able to circumvent that possibly.
0: Yeah, possibly. I, I still think that the Tau gun line is pretty incredible. And when you come oh up yeah, to, like, it say is. Eldar it's even better. Yeah. Um, like, not to say that the tower, it's unfair. I don't want to go that way. But we've talked a lot about this with other players and sort of this idea that, we, we you know, Spence brought up a couple of good points. He was like, of the new codexes have released, Tau got Interceptor, and they have a lot of access to it. Tau got Night Fighting and a lot of access to it. Tau got Skyfire and a lot of access to it. Marines don't have Interceptor at all. And I think they only have one or two things that have Skyfire.
1: Um, but they have Missiles, have- Stalkers, yeah. and Hunter. Right. The but they don't
0: have interceptor in the whole book,
1: right? No, they don't.
0: Shouldn't every codex have an interceptor option? Yes, you know, I think so. So that kind of surprised me, and so we've been talking about that a little bit, sort of off camera, just you know. And I don't want to get into that discussion today, but anyway, my point was that Tau lines are are unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, they are. They're yeah. just they're incredible. And I, when I was playing the guy, he was pretty good spirited about it. He's like, "You've never played a Tau line before," and I was like. No. (laughs) No, I haven't. I've played Tau, but Spence has always kept me on my back. (laughs) I've never actually been able to get into my opponent's court before. So once I was in his line, I thought, oh, I've got this now. Not so much.
1: (laughs) Nope. Not with the way they can provide supporting fire to one another. That's what makes Tau so deadly when charging them, that they can mutually support one another. Right.
0: Um, So we're not going to go down this whole list, but Feel free to check it out. The The link for this site Talking Wargaming is actually really great. They've got it all very well laid out. They've got it laid out in terms of HQ. They've got rumors on the big bug that you're so excited about. Yeah. They've got some of the changes. They talk about points reductions. They talk about where certain things will be changed, unchanged. Um, Warriors and Primes apparently get a big boost in this one, like... um warriors become sort of an adaptable figure in that you can take them with wings. And then I think strikes become troops or maybe gargoyles, or you can take them with this, or you can take them with that. And based on all of these different changes, different things become a viable choice. Kind of like if you take a certain character, terminators become a troop. Or if you take this character, bikes become troops. It's kind of the tyrannid answer to that. I feel like, yes, um, which I think is pretty cool. I feel like they're really doing a really good update for Tyrannus for the next edition. Um, I will point out the rumors from November have shifted, and now now I'm hearing January. That's what I saw there, too. So, so <coughs> Excuse me. So we'll see. Um, we'll take it with a grain of salt. It could go either way. Um, but yeah, so check out those rumors. Give us your thoughts on them, and let us know what you think. Oh, so I guess the last part of Overwatch we should talk about the mystery box. Um, So every time there's a new release, is it every year they do this,
1: or is it every other year? I think it's like almost every. Seems like it's every other year.
0: Was last year Dreadfleet? Was that the, the mystery box, or was that two years ago?
1: That was two years ago.
0: What was the? Was there a mystery box last year?
1: I don't think so. I, or heard, if there was I don't remember
0: I've heard people talk about the black box from back in the day and for people who don't know what that was GW used to, used to do this thing called the black box which is they sent a box it was completely black to the store you could only open it or something when you got it and they, they basically were trying to give you a new product that you could demo in your store and get players excited about but they were trying to circumvent the rumor mill so that way people couldn't get leaks like rules and stuff like that they don't really do that anymore And because so many of the leaks online, I feel like, are perpetuated by Games Workshop um, in some way, form, or another, uh, I feel like the black box has kind of gone away. So maybe that's just a sign of our times that the mystery box is kind of going away, too. But there are a lot of rumors this year about a return of the mystery box. And the big rumor, I think, right now is Inquisition. Um, They've talked about, like, an Inquisition-style game in 28mm, I think. And basically kind of like a skirmish game. I feel like kind of like an Infinity kind of game. Yeah. Like where it's sort of a you-go-I-go go scenario. Um, and a smaller game, like a small squad, like an Inquisitor and his retinue. Yes. And that kind of excites me. I like the I, I always liked 40K in 40 Minutes. I always liked the lunch-style 40K games that were very small. I thought there was a lot of potential in those. So I think the idea of playing a really cool, small, elite warband... Highly customizable, tons of conversion options. Maybe a bunch of kits with tons of extra bits. Maybe clam packs that are a lot bigger with tons of extra bits. I feel like there's a lot of potential there. Maybe I'm rambling off my wish list. Maybe this is not realistic. Um,
1: but I, I would be excited about it. And the other benefit too is that if, of course, if this is true, it's going to help everybody that plays the fantasy flight game stuff to have miniatures. You know, you, you can actually represent your your warband or Absolutely. your your team of operatives or your kill team or whatever on the table.
0: Yeah, because everyone has all these 40K miniatures, and the idea of a role-playing game where you can use them, I think, is really cool. So I think just having a few inquis- Inquisition figures, and then yeah. by contrast, being able to use those in 40K would be cool too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about this rumor, and I hope it plays out. And um, we're going to move on to our BitsBox segment. Uh Bitsbox is where we talk about conversions and um uh what's on our workbench in terms of what we wanna what we wanna see and what we wanna play with and kit bashing ideas. Um uh, so I, I thought since the Space Marine Codex came out a little while ago, like about a month or so ago, we would talk a little bit about that because I actually I kinda stay away from Space Marines in the past because I don't feel like they're as convertible as certain armies. Like they're a little they're kinda clean. Um and by clean, I mean they're just not as easy to convert as, let's say, Tyranids or Chaos or Chaos Demons. Um, but when I was piecing through it, I realized there is some potential for conversion in this codex, and I wanted to sort of briefly go over that. Um, so we'll see if Justin, if he agrees, or if he has other ideas and that sort of thing. Um, so the first unit I was kind of drawn to in terms of conversion was Iron Warriors. Um, these are the guys that have literally Iron, and you can probably explain this better. Didn't was there, What was
1: their primarch? Fair uh, you're actually confusing Iron Warriors with Iron Hands. Oh, okay. So- Iron Warriors are, are, tr- are a traitor legion. Oh, I see. Oh, okay. Well, that's why I like
0: them. All right, so Iron Hands, their Primarch had, he absorbed some sort of metal substance or something through his hands, which literally made his hands metal, right? Wasn't that kind of a right. deal? Um, and so because of that and that sort of tradition in the chapter, they slowly but surely replaced most of their bodies with bionics, cybernetics, that sort of thing. Um, so a lot of their guys have a lot of cool uh, cybernetic limbs, and I really like that look. I like the cyborg look. The problem is there's not a lot of figures in the game where you can do that with, but it did occur to me that Necrons were a natural place for this because you can use stuff like Necron feet, Necron arms, that sort of thing, half of a Necron skull maybe, and you've got a lot of conversion potential here. Um, So that kind of drew me in uh and secondly um legion of the damned which has always impressed me they're kind of one of those weird units that doesn't really fit but it's kind of fun they're kind of a ghostly unit there's a lot of rumors about what they are what they're not are they a cursed marine unit are they ghosts blah 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 so i built a unit of these a few years ago kit bashing um some skeletons and i made it look like they were literally kind of warriors out of hell like I sculpted some flames on them. I had their armor rotting off and falling off in places. I had their bodies replaced by skeletal bits. Um, And I definitely think that's a cool sort of idea. I'll post a link to the gallery from where I, I did that original conversion. I think that I've come a long way and I could do a better version of this now. So I picked up some War Games Factory skeletons from my friend Jim Goss over at War Games Factory. And I'm hoping to convert up a unit of these sometime in the near future. Um, it probably won't be that soon because I've got a lot of stuff on my bench right now, but um, I, I do think there's potential there. Um, do you have any ideas about any conversions in the book? you think that would be kind of cool? Or?
1: Um, I, I do like your idea about the, the Legion of the Damned because that's essentially what they are. They are warriors from hell because they're trapped in the warp or were trapped in the warp for yeah. so long, according exactly. to the fluff. So I do like that. I think that is cool. And I also like what your concept of the Iron Hands uh, because you're right, there really isn't a lot of bits out there, at least in the Space Marine kits, to show that these guys have bionics, and right. that's a big part of what it means to be uh, an Iron Hand, because their, their thing is, the flesh is weak.
0: Right. Do you think that would be worthwhile for GW to release a cybernetics or bionics sprue, maybe throw a couple servo skulls on there, maybe have a servitor in the box, and then maybe have, like, you know, a few cybernetic hands, feet, that skulls with, like, the lenses, that sort of thing?
1: Before the newest Space Marine Codex, I would have said no. But now that Iron Hands have a place in the Codex, Mm -hmm. the answer would be yes. Okay. They do or did have some Iron Hand stuff, I believe, at one point.
0: They probably had a few
1: blisters or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some bits or whatnot, but I don't know if that's... I haven't looked at the website in a while. Right. So, but yes, I, I think it would be worth doing now that now that the Iron Hands actually have a presence in the codex.
0: You know, and even if Games Workshop themselves didn't want to do, like, an Iron Hands, you know... um bits pack just for Iron Hands, they could call it like a cybernetics pack. And, and I feel right. like there's potential there because, you know, orcs have cybernetics.
1: Um, like, other factions have cybernetics. Imperial Guard, they're certainly going to have. Right. Some of their guys are going to have augmentics or or whatever.
0: So I'm on their site now. I just wanted to just sort of briefly glance on here. And they do have a tactical squad update pack. It's 20 bucks, Uh And it shows some of the stuff they have. And it looks like they have... A cybernetic leg, a cybernetic hand, a few cybernetic hands. Uh, so it's got some cool stuff, actually. It's not bad, but it's 20 bucks, and they don't show everything. Um, like it looks like it's enough to upgrade maybe a squad of 10, but. Yeah, I don't know. That would get
1: really expensive if yeah. you had a whole army of Iron Hands. I'm
0: looking at a couple of the Marines they have pictured, and a couple of them just have a head swap, and that's it. I just don't feel like that's worth twenty dollars. Now no. they do have a, they do have a really nice looking Thunderhammer in here, um, but that in and of itself is not worth my bits back. Right. So. Um, I feel like that could use an update. That being said, some of the bits on here are cool. A couple of the helmets have extra lenses. So there's some cool bits in here, but I don't feel like it's anything you couldn't do. You know, I feel like you buy a box of Necrons for $35 for just a little bit more than this, and you've got infinitely more conversion opportunity there. Right, right. Infinitely, infinitely more arms, legs, hands, that sort of thing. Right. So. Okay. Um,. Uh, On a side note, uh, I am putting together a, um, I've been doing a few conversion articles for Bella Lost Souls. I am working on a Farseer conversion on Jet Bike Now for um, Spence. He asked me to do one of those. I recently did a Bio War conversion. But more importantly, I'm scratch building a um, Thunderfire cannon. So it kind of ties into our Space Space Marine discussion. Um, I like the Thunderfire cannons, and I do think, to be honest, that they're worth the price you pay because you get a Master of the Forge. But I wanted to see if I could kind of build one on my own. Just for as a fun experiment, see how cheap I could go. So, I, I built one recently, or I'm building one, and uh, I will have that posted on Bella Lost Soul soon. So, uh, feel free to stay tuned, and when that is up, I'll post a link on the show or the show notes. And uh, so, just stay tuned for that. Um, okay, so we'll move on to In the Trenches, which is our second to last segment of the day. Uh, In the Trenches is where we talk about something from a store we've recently attended or that sort of thing. And this is kind of our way of getting involved with the local community. So about a week or two ago, I think October October 5th, I can't be right. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That was the day of the tournament. That was yesterday. Uh, two weeks ago, I did a terrain class at Dependent Horizon Games. That's our local. That's my local store, or my most local store. And that class uh, was basically intended to get people, one, building terrain for the store because they were a little short on terrain, but two, just to also sort of get them involved, that sort of thing. Um and I have to say, it was okay, but it didn't go great. Um, it was one of those things where it was the first time we had done this class, and it was kind of an experiment to see how it would go. Um, and so I only had, like, three people show up because it's a new store, and we don't have—we only have, like, 100 people on our forum right now. So we had three people show up, and uh, we basically spent an hour just sort of talking about different terrain concepts, ways to build terrain cheaply, different ideas we had. Um, And the store owner brought in a whole bunch of foam, which we were going to use, but the problem was the foam took up so much space on the table that we really didn't have any room to build any terrain. So it was kind of a class where we we went in there thinking, oh, we'll build some terrain, we'll chit-chat, and that sort of thing. And we didn't actually get to build terrain (laughs) because there was no space. And the guys who came in, one of them came in with some supplies, but the other two guys were kind of ill-prepared and I had a can of spray foam, and I was going to do a brief demonstration on spray foam terrain, which I think is a really cheap, easy way to build terrain, which we can talk about in a terrain podcast. But the spray foam can burst on me, like the the nozzle burst the minute I got it. Oh, my God. So basically that didn't work out. (laughs) So it was really kind of an unsuccessful class. Um, But it it did encourage me that there is is room for teaching at that store. So I'm going to try again in uh, a week from now, when I'm going to be doing a speed painting class, because I've been doing a lot of speed painting for um, Jim Goss over at Games Factory. And speed painting, to me, is basically just finding ways to economize your time, not being as dependent upon the brush stroke, sort of learning tricks and techniques to paint faster, or be satisfied with your paint. You know, it's partially time management. It's partially just being okay with results that are maybe not exactly what you're hoping for. The reality is you can't paint Golden Demon in a day. Like Those guys who paint Golden Demon figures paint professionally. They paint all the time. I feel like the codexes and the pictures on the Heavy Metal team are beautiful, but they set the wrong impression sometimes in the community where they think that you can hire someone to paint a figure and paint to that quality. And to be honest, if you were to hire a guy from Heavy Metal to paint a figure, one figure at that quality, you're probably talking a couple hundred dollars. I mean, it's just not economical. So once you adapt that mentality... You can look at your army and go, "What is the goal for my army? Is the goal to get the table army on the table in a month? Do I have a tournament I'm preparing for?" And so that's where speed painting comes involved because you realize that you need to figure out what exactly it is um, that you want to achieve. You know, right? So, uh, anyway, so that's a little bit of my experience from the front line dealing with that and. Um, it was a lot of fun. Do you have any stories from your local game store recently? Didn't, you, didn't your game store close? Did we talk about that on the last
1: podcast? Yeah, we, I mentioned that a few podcasts ago. I'm still trying to find somewhere to game. And the place I'd really like to the game, they really want a community there at Power 9 Gaming here in Fort Wayne. But unfortunately, a lot of the guys that do war gaming aren't interested in coming to Power 9. Which really, I I don't know, because I guess they're just set in their ways or whatever. Which really sucks because I think the environment at Power Nine is, you know, very friendly. Uh, The the people that run the store are very friendly, very personable individuals. Mm -hmm. And as I said, they, the lady that seems to handle the business side, Jeannie, I believe her name is. She really wants a Warhammer community, a Warhammer Forty K community, at her store. Okay, you know, and. I wish she could get one because I'd really like to get involved in it
0: why is she having trouble getting a I, going
1: I just think because everybody has their own stores they like to go to does she sell GW stuff or uh, no she does not does she, not uh, at the moment
0: well does she have a terrain area or a board or anything
1: they've got plenty of room in there though they don't have actual terrain or boards I you know I, I need to look into that. Um, and, and that might be something I might mention to her is that she might want to have consider investing in, you know, ways to Well, recruit. you can't
0: expect people to come into your store and play if you don't have this facility prepared for Right. I know she's got the space for it. Yeah, and that's a start. Um, but if she has the space, here's the thing is the UW product is, I think, a big moneymaker for most stores, I feel like. And maybe I'm wrong here. Maybe if there's a game store owner they can chip in and tell me their their thoughts. Well,
1: she but. said it's not terribly expensive or as expensive as people think to get started. Now keep in mind that they aren't they're not new, but they are they aren't they haven't been around terribly long. This game store? Yes, Power Nine. I think it's only been like a year. So maybe when they get more established, because they've got a good MTG community. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they they get themselves you know in a good working uh, tempo. I couldn't think of the word for a second there. Then maybe she might consider expanding their inventory to include games Workshop. You can order games workshop stuff through. In fact, that's who I ordered my dark elf book f- through. Okay. So it's not like she's you know not willing to do it. Sure.
0: Well, so, and, and she can and she can order through a distributor. I'm sure. I mean, right? She has to have her distributor for her basic game stuff. Um, but to carry GW products, you actually have to have it's something like you have to devote a certain amount of space to the store or something like that.
1: Right. You know, and I'll, I'll talk to her about it again, um, right. and, and that might be the thing that might not be why people don't want to come in there is that she's not carrying GW stuff. And That certainly makes it a little annoying for me because I wanted to go in and say, okay, uh, I'd like to buy some Centurions, sure. you know, but I can't because she doesn't carry it. So again, that might be something I might mention to her. You know, down the road because she seems fairly approachable. Sure. You know, and I've even you know tried to get her ask her if I could promote uh, the the podcast there, and she has no problem with
0: that. Oh, cool. Um, we've actually I've actually talked to store owners about this before, and they say that one of the challenges with ordering GW product as a store is that there's a lot of hype around new products, so you're encouraged to buy new product, but you don't really know how much you'll need, on top of that, you can overbuy, you could underbuy. If you underbuy, someone else is going to be getting their product somewhere else. Then when right. the order finally comes in, other people have already moved on to an online supplier or another store. So then you're setting on stock that you really can't move. Because the reality right. is you're, you're only going to sell stock to your local community, guys. You're not going to sell stock um, right. like to
1: everybody. But. Right. And that's just it. If if I come to your if I'm a, if I come into your store and I'm looking for something and you don't have what I want, I'm gonna go somewhere right.
0: else. Sure, absolutely. Um. Okay, so why don't we um, take a brief break and then we'll come back and we will give our final thoughts for the day and we will round this thing up. All righty. All right. All right, guys, uh, welcome back. And we're just going to finish up with a little in game and final thoughts. So, we had a good podcast today, a long podcast. We've realized that our podcasts have gotten longer. What we were hoping for was a quick, rapid fiery podcast where we did like basically an hour. And what we've realized is that all of these segments we want to talk about take forever. So what we're talking about now is maybe redoing the format of the show. So why don't you contact us on our Facebook page, let us know what your thoughts are. Do you feel like the show is too long? Do you feel like you want to see a longer format, a shorter format? We've envisioned kind of a one-hour rapid-fire format for the show. have not actually been able to bring that to fruition yet because we have a lot to say about every topic so you know please give us your thoughts on it um and just you know contact us let us know if you like the show and remember you can follow us on itunes now and there'll be a link for that if you're not listening to this through itunes you can subscribe and put us on your
1: you know your uh, mp3 player and take us with you on the go uh
0: justin do you have any final thoughts for today?
1: I think I've basically said finance, everything I need to say.
0: Okay. Well,
1: um, guys, we really appreciate we you sell sell listening, for and for remember, White
0: Metal Games, or War or 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 Council is a presentation of White Metal, Metal about Games, about and, ETAs, and ETAs, we are your ETAs, one-stop ETAs, shop for miniature ETAs, assembly and painting needs, but... We also support other miniature painters, such as Thomas, a.k.a. Goatboy. Be sure to check him out on uh, goatboy40k.blogspot.com or on his other site, fullamonkey.com. You can find links to both of those sites through this podcast and through uh, his link. He has a banner on Bella Lost Souls. He's a regular contributor on shows like Forge the Narrative and this show, of course, now. And um, you'll expect to see more of his work on our site in the future as we continue to collaborate with him. Um, And I guess that's about it. So uh, for War Council, uh, my name is Caleb Dillon.
1: And I'm Justin Jones. And be sure to put put your minis where your mouth is.
2: The the biggest problem with GW ordering is that you have to have a minimum set order to start it. And then the sales guys are not always the best, depending on how you order. Um, So sometimes you'll miss product or you'll get under shipment because they don't know how many they're going to make. There's a, lot of we- There's a lot of little weird stuff on it. Um, you can go through extra distributors, and now with the rumor that Finecast is going away, if you haven't noticed, Dark Elves, there are no Finecast in that whole set. I did hear about that. So, most likely that. Yeah, if that's, if, well, that's what it was always supposed to be. It was supposed to be a stopgap uh, in between the, them losing their whatever metal contract.
1: Oh, I didn't know that.
2: Yeah, because that's why, I mean, they lost the, the metal. The metal started going up to the point where it, was a, it wasn't making money. Um,
1: so, they switched
2: over to Finecast. As kind of a stopgap in between it, so if you and if you notice, let's see what lizardmen had no. Did lizardmen have any fine cast? No, they still had a few. Um, the slan and something else.
1: Um, I believe Chakax is fine yeah. cast. Yeah,
2: those two, but the little skink guy and clamshell is not. Um, right. the, they put a special character uh, on foot is there, and a special character for on top of the big connoisseur. And then, uh, yeah. the, and it's the first time we've seen no fine cast in a release from uh, dark Elves. Like there's not a single single piece of it. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think there might be one. I think that there's that Dreadlord on foot. Yeah, that they randomly showed, and I bet you that one you know, is tabletop um, quality in But the uh, like the guy with the, the, the really uh, with, a, with a with a knife uh, peg leg. Um, before, but you while you know, play. cool when you're 13 <laughs> is White not you know won't you
0: know, work. <laughs> <the Raleigh> <laughs>
2: so I really like the I really like the fact that they added boobies again. So I was pretty happy about that.
1: Yeah, the, the new figures are pretty nice. I actually, really like white man- it. You know, like Tom. I, I'm only bitter about the fact that my all, I have all the old blackguards, the metal yeah. Blackguard, and yeah, I, I mean, cool, metal's cool to some degree, but I don't like it when you get a tray full of twenty, thirty guys, and you're trying to move them,
2: and you drop it,
1: and you drop it exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god!
2: <laughs> yeah, those uh, those terrible. Um, like we have a couple buddies. Like I, I, I want to see what the Blackguard, if they're. Uh... If they're going to be uh, 35 for the $10, i am like, okay, it's not too big of a deal.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, exactly. If
2: they're 10 for $60, you are like, uh, suck it. Right. <laughs> Pretty much. But, I mean, I, I like, it's interesting because the new stuff looks like confrontation to me.
0: Do you think they changed up artists, maybe? Maybe they picked up an artist from confrontation.
2: They've had a couple of confrontation. You saw the... Uh, they've had them for there for a bit. I don't know if you remember the... Um, the what you want call it, uh, ogre Firebreather, That was a complication guy.
0: Oh, cool! No, I did not know that actually.
2: Yeah, he uh, he he is one of the ones they picked up, and then I forget who else. You can see it in some of the, some of the ones on there. A lot of the, some of the ogres were done by those guys. Everything else.
0: Do they actually work in the studio, or is it more of like yeah. an outsourcing thing?
2: As far as I know, it's studio. They, they they got hired.
1: Oh, nice. Okay. So seems to be a paradigm shift taking place at Games Workshop.
2: We'll see if they actually get bought by Hasbro or not.
1: Yeah, uh, that would be. terrify me if they did
2: it's actually it's actually pretty good for it if you go through uh, all the other stuff they did they screwed up D&D but it's not necessarily their fault on D&D um, they let the Pathfinders guys go <laughs> you could say that's probably what did it for them yeah. more than D&D <laughs> um, uh, and then um, they kind of they basically tried to MMO a game which is also where the problem was um, yeah which, I mean, that's, you know, that's their, that's their design philosophy. And then, um, but they're pretty good for a game. Like, look at Magic. Like, if you don't know, like, if you look on the back of Magic, Magic makes, like, they don't give a crap what you do with it. Like, you can resell it. You can do anything else. I mean, if you think about it, they could destroy the secondary market if they really wanted to. Right. That's so, true. So, I would say, cool, like, you know, bits, like, do whatever you want. We do not care. Because they basically would become a actual, they say, like, a, like a company that's an actual distributor. So it's like cool, do whatever you want. Once you buy from us, we don't give a crap. Right. Which is what, which is the way they are with Magic. I mean, they, and for them, prices are more so controlled by, you know, Star City.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, I guess I never thought of it that way.
2: Yeah. Before, so, so they're pretty much leave a leave leave and let be most of the time. So that's what we would think on it now. Um, with the way things the rumors look like, I think Kirby's gone. So maybe we'll see a big change. I mean, obviously we like the designers. Um, The rules are okay. There's some problems, but I think uh, really uh, more so if they had a a group of people that would help out with the FAQs a little more and basically became a little more uh, productive on that, I think they could be a lot better. But, you know, like I said, I don't run a game company, so I don't know.
0: Sure. Sure.
1: That's a good transition into
0: yeah, it kind of is. Um, all right, well, thanks, Thomas. We will keep we uh, we won't keep you on here too long this morning. I'm sure you got stuff to do today. I'm uh, I'm gonna go have
2: breakfast and I'm scanning random stuff. I painted up uh, two dreadnoughts and I have like a food hammer wanted me to paint a demon prince and then someone randomly gave me a metal demon prince parts and I'm like, ooh, nice. Prob- problem solved. You can have you this. One.
1: <laughs> nice.
0: Did you say food hammer?
2: I think it's called Food Hammer. I'm gonna to have to look through my emails. Um, Is this they had,
0: a website? <laughs>
2: um, it's something. It's like a, a charity thing, and uh, they had emailed me before. You know, I, and I don't mind. Like when it's one or two models, I don't care. That's always good for me. You know, it's when I, I I've done like full armies, mm-hmm. and um, I was, I was going to have help, and then some people fell through on help, so it was just me doing the whole thing. Sure, and I can do that, but you know, I usually have commission work to do too. Right. So. That's where the problem came in, but um, yeah. So my today, my day is uh, trying to avoid our downtown because I for, uh, we have a big concert going on right now.
0: Okay.
2: I don't know if you heard of ACL Fest. I have not. It's a uh, like it's a two weekend like Bonnaroo monster monster stuff. I thought was, last night was uh, I think the Cure played last night.
0: Okay. Nice. Yeah.
2: So, but also I'm also working on random weird stuff today too because Paul yelled at me.
0: Paul, Paul yelled at you.
2: Paul Murphy. Paul Murphy. Uh,
0: from uh, from uh, Forge the Narrative.
2: Yeah, I've been mean, working on a logo or some design thing for him. So what
0: do you Are... mean he yelled at you? That he didn't like your concept? oh no 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 no. Oh, we just okay. each other.
2: It's just like where is it? I'm like I don't know. Where, where <laughs> 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 what it's do you want? Yeah. What do you want it to be? And I have to deal with him. <laughs> That's pretty well, people, funny. Yeah, you know, it's like people yelling at you know my comic strip this weekend. So I love it. Love it.
0: Oh, they didn't like it. You mean they were trolling you?
2: Oh, they always troll me. I want to. Um, I think I talk a little bit about it. Um, on the article, I went through another article on how to be a better game, better player. Mm-hmm. Again, on you know different things on you know what you need to do when you actually play, which yeah. a lot, a lot of people forget about all the time. So,
0: it's surprised. I was at a GT yesterday, or a, a T, I guess. We can't decide what makes a GT a GT, but uh, anyway, I was surprised yesterday. People who after their game, I was like, how'd it go? They'd be like, I forgot to do this one thing, or blah, blah, blah. Like, the hindsight thing is just so, I don't know. It was, it was really surprising to me. Like, as soon as the game's over, you immediately are like, this is what I did wrong.
1: That, that even happens in, like, Magic the Gathering. It's like, why, why the, the hell did the I game? do that?
0: Yeah, well, when you're in the heat of the game, you're tired, yeah. and when you're three games deep, you're fried. Like, your brain right. is just mush, you know?
2: That's, that's why I pick armies that are very, uh, that my play, game plan is usually the same every time.
0: That makes sense, uh, and even even beyond that, just going simpler, like not making well, it complicated, right?
2: Yeah, it's the only. That's really the only way to uh, really play most of the stuff. Like when you get the entirely complicated stuff, and some people are good at it, like. But you know, that's when they then they go up against someone like me, who's basically a hammer, like hammer smash. This is the way I play. You know, your your plans can go out the window pretty quickly.
1: Right. Well, that's that's actually the nature. You know, if we wanted to draw an analog to actual military conflict. Uh, I think it was von Clausewitz that said that your best laid plans do not survive you know, your first contact, first contact with the enemy. And the other thing, too, the, the trick to a successful military strategy or campaign is to keep it as straightforward and uncomplicated as possible because the less variables you deal with, uh, the the more you actually have control over. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're not going to be dealing with complex you know, military situations, again, to keep it, you know, making this an analog to, to actual military operations. But if you can control and try to simplify whatever it is you're trying to do, then, you know, that it's going to be that much easier you know, for you to, to manipulate or to successfully complete that engagement. And I imagine that it's probably the same playing Warhammer 40K or Warhammer Fantasy.
2: Usually. And that's what I tell most, I tell most players. It's like, I, got, I played the other day, and, I'll tell, and that's what in the article I was like, you know, he, the guy was like, you had all the tools to beat me. It went for a game from where I went for, to a complete route that's like, this is what you should have done to have, to have beaten my list or beaten this stuff. And so I had to go through, you know, give a little bit of explanation on, like, this is the kind of things you want to do. Um, so, yeah. that's the kind of stuff. It's just, it's just, you know, like I said, most people... How did
0: the, how did the player respond to you giving him advice?
2: He's a, he's a buddy of ours, so, you know, it's like they asked him, like, uh, other friends were like, you need to go ask Thomas what you could have done to win this game. I was like, I'll tell you, because I was like, you play similar to my style, so I could tell you the things you do to, you know, beat the crap out of it. Right. So... He's, he we're we're buddies, so it makes it makes a, a better difference.
0: That does make it easier.
2: Yeah. So. Nice.